Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. He's my co-host and producer, Zach Goodman. Fading out a little quickly on the on the music there, my, my man. Well, I had it. Oh Jesus. my, we're, we are hot today. We are I, hot. I, I just tweeted out that we're having technical <laughs> difficulties, and apparently they aren't quite over yet. We'll, uh, we'll, but, we'll figure it out. We'll figure but it out. what you can bank on is that today's show is brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com offers. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now and get $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $5 bet. See this and other great sportsbook offers at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. And I'll tell you, Zach, I wish that the Orioles would offer us that game back uh, from yesterday because that was a stinker. Cole Irvin gets a start yesterday, cruises through the first two innings, and then gives up three solo shots in the third inning to have the Orioles down 3-0. Orioles start clawing back. They make it 3-2. Irvin gets to the fourth unscathed, comes out for the fifth, and gives up a base hit to start the inning that was absolutely laced up the middle. So at 68 pitches, Brandon Hyde comes in, and he takes Irvin out. I... I'm usually the one who's sitting there saying, he's only at 68 pitches, you gotta leave him in. Not yesterday. He had given up the three home runs. We've seen his starts in the earlier in the year implode. And right, that, right. Ba- that base hit to start the fifth was smoked. It was, I don't know what the speed was off the bat, but it had to have been well over 100 miles an hour. So the writing for me is kind of on the wall that, look, let's get Irvin out of here while this game is still close right. and so that he doesn't doesn't give up anything more. The problem is Austin Voth goes on the 15-day IL, and you replace him with, I guess the best term is journeyman reliever Garrett, uh, Reed Garrett, right. who isn't a big league pitcher. And look, this is nothing against him. He just isn't a big league pitcher. And you don't, you know, make a move to have the, the plan of action in case a starter has to leave the game early. You could say Mike Ballman or, or Keegan Aiken are long relievers, but Mike Ballman, his last 15 outings, 14 of them yeah. have been under two innings. Keegan Aiken, pretty much the same. So those are the guys that you expect to give you length, but you aren't treating them like long relievers in, right. in, in the last month or so. Yeah. And so you're at a point now where you have nothing but short relievers, and there's a conversation that we're going to have later in this show on Orioles banter about the Orioles relief core and their bullpen. They're not very good. The they have they have Cano who, despite the really great ERA, his last twelve outings he hasn't been great. And it, then yeah. and then on top of that, I mean, you can really only fully trust. Felix Bautista right now. Danny Coulomb, you can trust him more often than not, but every now and again, he's going to give something up, but that's true of any reliever. The fact of the matter is, the Orioles starting rotation, while they've been decent this year, not many of them are giving you a ton of length, so your bullpen's being overworked, and when you have a bullpen that gets used as much as the Orioles' bullpen, you better have arms that can get you through it, and you don't. You just don't. Right, well, you came into the the season with the expectation of having two guys that you don't have, and that's Dylan Tate and Michael Givens. Yeah, and but the thing is, Michael Givens, when he came back, was terrible. Well, right. And Dylan Tate, he's on a, amazingly, I, I didn't think this, there was a chance of this, he's on a rehab assignment now, and he looked decent mm-hmm. the other day, mm-hmm. an inning in third, no hits, no runs, but two walks. But when he was rehabbing before, was getting lit up. Regardless, those are two guys who counted on to be a part of that 
Orioles bullpen and, and probably the back end of it. And not necessarily in games yesterday. That game got out of hand pretty quickly after Cole Irvin left the game. But regardless, that's a situation where uh, you could use more quality relievers. Guys like Reed Garrett, you know, he had a 1590 ERA in AAA. He was actually pitching pretty well, but he's been around the league. Uh, he's played for a number of different teams, probably not the most reliable guy in the world. But then you mentioned it. There's a lack of overall depth at the relief position. You look at guys like Danny Coom, he wasn't even supposed to be on the team. Yenner Cano has come out of nowhere as a star reliever. He probably wasn't going to have much of a role this year until he started being uh, unhittable virtually. And these last few games for Cano have been rocky. He gives up a lot of hits. He's walking some guys. He hasn't been the same guy that he was. And that's bound to happen. Um, you know, the league is bound to figure guys out at some point. And we're seeing him go through that stretch. I think it's a good thing, as long as he's not giving up too many runs at a time, I think it's a good thing for him to learn and kind of work through this right now. Yeah. Better now than the playoffs. Yeah, and, and again, we don't want to steal the thunder from um, Orioles' band mm-hmm. because we have a whole segment on this later in the show. But... There, there's some things that, that need to happen, and you look at it, my biggest issue with that game is, okay, you bring in Bauman, I know that Bauman has been, he's been up and down for you, but but he's kind of, he's coming in with a runner on first base, yeah. but it's still, you know, yeah. a guy on base, there's nobody out, you expect that he can get you through that, he doesn't. Bauman is better when he starts an inning, Yeah, for I, me. I, I agree, and I, I also think that he's, I think he's destined to be a late inning reliever. I don't know that he's a guy that yeah. is a middle... It, it, it's what do you want to do with him? Mm-hmm. And again, we're going get, to get to this later in Orioles banter, but it, you don't want him to be a starter. You want him, you think he's better as a one-inning reliever, but then you're bringing him in in long, in long relief right. instances. you got to figure out... you got to have roles for these guys. Not everybody yeah. can pitch in every different inning, in, in, every, in every different situation. I think it's better if these guys know what their roles are. Know your role and shut your mouth. Right? Like the mouth, right? <laughs> anyway. Um, I think Keegan Aiken should have been in the game far earlier yesterday than he was. And I know well, he's, he's pitched I, a lot as of late. He's been in some cleanup roles and, and some games that they haven't been in. But Aiken should have been there, I think, instead of Ballman. I, I, that game, to me, are, I mean, you're already in the, in the fifth inning, and it looks like things are going badly for you. I would have thrown Keegan that's, in there. That's the situation where you would usually use Keegan. Right. But again, we'll get to this later in the show. My main issue is what has CNL Perez done this year to earn these high leverage spots? I get that he was good last year. Last year is last year. This year is this year. And he has been awful all year. He's had little runs of two good games here, three good games there. But has he even... No, it, it, not really. I mean, it, he's it, been okay. Yeah, it, it, it's like there's, there's, he'll have one inning where he doesn't give up a hit, and you're right. like, and, and and suddenly he's a guy you can trust. Again. No, right? No, man, his ERA's four and a half. To me, that's that's an argument where, you know, he he really had one success in his entire major league career, and yeah. that was last year, and it was really good. Don't get me wrong; I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from it that. It was it was one of the, one of the best relief seasons in Orioles history. It was, but you can't look at that and say that's the only reason we're keeping him here. You can't look at that because at the end of the day, you've got a, a, a you know playoff race to chase, and that's what you really want to be in. And Cienel Perez is not currently helping you get there. Yesterday, he was just I what, what's a good word for it? Awful, terrible, <laughs> horrible in about every way. There really didn't throw a quality pitch during that entire uh, during that entire sequence. He really didn't. Yeah, uh, and he gets ahead on a guy one two, and then he can't find the strike zone. It, yeah. t- to me, it's. 
And even the even the two strikes he threw were not quality strikes. Yeah, none of it was quality from Cienal Perez. And and that's been again a stretch of games for Cienal Perez really throughout the entire season, save maybe one or two, that he's been really bad. Yeah, really bad. Yeah, and and again, we're, we're we'll talk about this more in Orioles banter. There was good in the game. Austin Hayes two for four again. Yeah. He's hitting three oh eight on the year. Um, he's just having a really good year. Yeah. He's having a really good year. And then. Ryan O'Hearn, man, he's he's three for four yesterday, yeah. three thirty four on the season, five home runs, nineteen RBIs, and a one thousand four OPS in mm-hmm. twenty eight games. When Ryan Mountcastle comes back, can you just hand him the first base job again? Oh, absolutely not. I I, I don't think they're planning on that either. Like, you can't right now. Like, does does Ryan Mountcastle become your full time DH? Do you bench him against lefties or righties or whoever he hits best against? He hits worse against you. Bench him um, righties, because you righties. you hit. Um, yeah, see, I, I, this year, full transparency, I have uh, a full time job that takes up a lot of my time, so I'm watching more games, but I'm not really as up to date on. A lot of different people splits. I know like certain people, but like Ryan Mountcastle, for example, I don't think he hits anybody particularly well. Well, he really hasn't, year. but there is you one side so, better than the other. Yeah. So he apparently he hits righties better than than lefties. No, he hits lefties saying? better than he righties. He hits lefties yeah. better than righties. Um, you can't just give him his job back when he comes no. back because Ryan O'Hearn is having the best year of his career. Not only that, Ryan O'Hearn has been two or three times better than Ryan Mountcastle has been. It, you know, well, it's, it's a hard thing to quantify. Okay, two or three it, it, times it, it, better. It is hard. It is hard to quantify. But I would assume. I mean, his WAR has got to be at least over one already in the very short amount of time he's played. Ryan Malcastle, like I can't imagine it's above point three or point four. So that's where I'm going on that. I, I'm making a guess. I, I probably should have looked up the WAR numbers. But no, Ryan O'Hearn right. has been Ryan O'Hearn has been very very good. And what I love about Ryan O'Hearn and what really goes against Ryan Malcastle is that Ryan O'Hearn is a very pure hitter. He has a lot of strength. He has a ton of power, but he's not always trying to access it on every swing like Ryan Malcastle is. Ryan O'Hearn's B-War is 0.7 Okay. in 28 games, and Ryan Mountcastle's war is 0.0. All right, so two or three times better. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> Something like the, that. You can't be two or three times better <laughs> no, that, than zero. That would be zero. Yeah, right, right, right. I know. Math. Say he, was point, <laughs> say he was point one. He'd be even greater than, He'd than be two seven or three times, times better. better. Yeah, there you go. But so <laughs> he's he's infinitely better. He's infinitely better. Right now than Ryan he is Mountcastle. infinitely yeah. better than Ryan. Mountcastle. I figured Mountcastle would be positive just because of the RBIs, because he is driving guys in when he's when he's playing. For the I most don't know, part. man. He had 18 RBIs the first two weeks of the year. And he's hasn't got, and he's got 21 yeah. since. So I wonder what the defensive metrics look like for Mountcastle because they were so positive last year. I'd have to go on a savant and, and check that OPS out. Plus, his OPS is 686 and his OPS plus like is 70? 80, 88. 88. Okay. Ugh. Yeah, um, that's twelve percent worse. I, you know, actually, that's that's better than I expected. Stan- standard field fielding uh, last year, um, defensive run save Ryan Mountcastle was at one. Okay. Uh, this year he's at negative three. So, okay. So we're uh, not- no, the same fielding percentage nine ninety five. Okay. Um, much much bigger sample size last year though. Yeah. Altogether, yeah. So, ab- ab- um, absolutely. And let's not mistake this. A lot of guys have an issue with being able to, with being able to. Um, not take their offensive slumps into the field. Not everybody can be yeah. Jorge Mateo. Yeah. Right. So there's a good chance that like when you're slumping at the plate as badly as Mountcastle has for the last two months, that you take it into the field with you, right. and then your defense starts to suffer too. Now, if you go and you look at uh, Ryan O'Hearn's 
defensive metrics at first base. I can't imagine okay. they're great. Nah, he's a minus minus fourteen defensive Ooh, save. That's rough. Yuck. That is rough. Yeah, for the year. My is this on Baseball Reference or this is on Baseball Reference? Okay. But his fielding okay. percentage is a thousand. There you go. <laughs> hasn't made there yet. Is 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 so. a thousand? But. It, Minus 14. I can, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know what goes into defensive runs. Saved. It, it's, it also probably comes from a very small sample size. He's DH'd a bit. He's been right field a bit. So we'd have to look into the sample size there. Yeah, but, well, the sample size, he's played 11 games, 10 starts. Yeah, that, that's at, small. At small. first base, he's got seven games in right field, four starts. He's got set, eight games, seven starts as a DH. Right. One game, one start in left field. So, yeah, like you said, small sample size. Bottom line is Ryan, Ryan Mountcastle, not a great year. Um, to this point, all around. Now he's on the uh, injured list and with vertigo, which uh, yeah. for, I've never had vertigo, but I heard that when you have it, it's absolutely awful. It's really bad. From have you I've had heard. it? No, I've not. Yeah. I've not had it, but I've heard from so many people who have, and they've said it's it's debilitating in many ways. Like, really? there's no way he's going to be able to hit a baseball right now because you really, um, again, from what I've heard, I have no personal experience with it. You're just experiencing constant dizziness. You're not feeling yourself at all in any way. So I don't know how a major league hitter is going to go up there and be able to hit you know 95 mile an hour fastballs with that kind of symptom yeah i i, I can't and he has trouble doing it anyway so. <laughs> <laughs> right right so um maybe, maybe this is all he needs to turn it around just and like with uh with a 10-day ryan, stint. ryan o'hearn he's just he's been playing so well and you're waiting you're waiting him and aaron hicks you're waiting for the other shoe to drop aaron hicks you can almost see that other shoe dropping in slow I was gonna motion say, yeah. you can yeah. almost see it i watched him the other day he fouled off a few pitches. I think he ended up um, – God, I can't remember what he did. I think he ended up grounding out to first base. But he had some really awful-looking yeah. swings in an at-bat against the Blue Jays the other day where it was like a 3-1 count, and he just the, – the foul balls that he hit to stay alive in the, in, in the count, and they were on pitches that weren't like he had to reach from – just not good-looking swings. Right. So you're waiting for the other shoe to drop with Hicks. Ryan O'Hearn, every time I think it's going to drop, he goes out there and has three hits and hits a home run. You know, it's yeah. um. Are you wearing a North Face hat? And I'm a wearing face, a North Face hat and a North Face no, T-shirt. This is not a North Face T-shirt. Okay, I, I don't know where sure. this T-shirt came from. Yeah, I, uh, no. I thought you were just a walking uh, <laughs> no, a walking I, I'm advertisement. Not, I'm not an advertisement for, the, for North, North face. face. Although let's be honest, I'm usually a walking advertisement <laughs> for the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, got an Orioles hat tickets. on. <laughs> you sell some tickets. That guy looks cool in that. I'm going to go to the game. Yeah, I think that's how it works, right? Well, you're welcome, Orioles. You are welcome. Um. Yeah, so you look at this Orioles team, you look at the starting rotation, you look at the bullpen, you look at the um the the lineup. Yeah. And they're flawed in every aspect. Yeah. And yet they somehow still manage to be 43 and 26. Mhm. Second best record in baseball right now. They're playing they're winning two out of every three games. Yeah. Yeah. And yet they don't have an ace. Tyler Wells is on his way there. Yeah. He still is too prone to the long ball for me. But the whip, the on-base yeah. percentage against him, uh, the ERA, the strikeouts are now reaching an elite level with him. It, he's become their de facto ace. Somebody said yeah. the other day he's like a right-handed John Means, and I can't argue that. That's that's a good comparison. You know, um, and Kyle Gibson's like that veteran guy that you that you just trust to go. He's, he Kyle right. Gibson has been exactly what we hoped the best version of him could be. Right. Right. So he's right. Go, he's a big league pitcher. Right. So he's gone out there and he's done his job. You don't really trust Kramer and Bradish because they'll they'll put together a string of two or three really good yeah. starts and then a mediocre start, a bad start, another two or three pretty good starts. 
you don't really ever know what you're going to get out of them. And then that fifth spot in the rotation, the Orioles just can't seem to lock it down. Now, yeah. Cole Overham was good two starts ago. Not great yesterday, but maybe deserved the opportunity to continue going in that game. I mm-hmm. don't know. If I if I had thought that the Orioles had a better plan, I'm okay with them taking out um, Irvin yesterday. But they, they, they didn't. Yeah. They had no plan for it. Um, Grayson Rodriguez is shoving down in AAA. Yeah. We kind of expected him to. Um, the walk total is just three walks his last two. Two outings and 12 innings after allowing five in his first outing, but he's gone six innings and allowed three earned runs or less in all in all um, three starts. Yep, struck out. I think it was 10 strikeouts in his most recent start. 11 to start before it was really that, good, yeah. and I think he had what six to start before that. So he's looking like he's going to earn a promotion here. Maybe in the next couple of weeks, if this continues, maybe keep stacking and keep those uh, walk numbers down. Because really what I was seeing with Grayson Rodriguez, it, it was a mechanical thing, man. It looked yeah, like he it, was, it was. It looked like he was pulling his pitches across his body a lot. Um, and then just trying to get ahead because he was yeah. he was having a hard time finding strikes so trying to get ahead and leaving meatballs over the middle of the plate. Right. So if, he can, if he's down there in the, at the AAA level and he's shoving like he is, stacks uh, like two or three more, He's going to be back up here. Right. He's going to earn that that promotion. The issue is the Orioles still need a guy. They need yeah. they they need. You hope to Grayson Rodriguez by the end of the year is that guy that can get you a win in a, in game one or game two of a playoff series. Tyler Wells, you think can be that guy. Tyler Wells is going to keep you in every game. Mm-hmm. He, he's his blow up starts are like four runs and in six innings. He's going to keep you in in every game. So then you look at the offense, and they do need one more bat. They do. They, they, uh, what O'Hearn is doing, putting O'Hearn in, O'Hearn in the middle of the order, putting Hayes in the middle of the order. There's no Rutschman and and um, Gunner at the top of the order. This has been really nice. It's yeah. been really nice. The problem is the bottom of your, of your order. And I wrote this in my notes for Stan um, that we're going to talk about with him. But the Orioles, you look at their bench, and McKenna's – Hitting 225 with a 620 OPS. Lester 222, 444. McCann 187, 568. Uh, Adam Frazier 236, 88. Jorge Mateo 234, 650. Yeah. Seven of your 13 position players have an OPS below 700. Right. You've got to get better offensive players. And look, bench players are going to be. What they've been—they're they're bench players. They're bench players. For a if they're if they're going to be hitting like Ryan O'Hearn is tearing the cover off the ball, he was a yeah. bench player. He's become an everyday player out of necessity, but right. he's earned the opportunity to stay an everyday player even when right. the guy he replaced comes back. Right. Right. But Ryan McKenna's days have got to be numbered. I know Brandon Hyde loves him, yeah. but they've got to be numbered. Well, I can't remember the last time I was just sitting here trying to think, and I can't remember the last big hit. Ryan McKenna's hat. Well, he went on a really nice stretch for about five weeks. But that was weeks and, but, ago. But, but that that ended in May. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a while ago. It's June seventeenth, and he's. I think he's something like two for his last thirty. Some incredibly non-competitive at bats. Mm-hmm. I was at the game on Thursday, and he played center field and batted ninth, and he had every every at bat he had was unbelievably uncompetitive. I mm-hmm. mean, just not even close. And, you know, he was out on four pitches, five pitches. There's just nothing in Ryan McKenna right now. And you can talk about the defense, whatever, the speed, whatever. If if he's not hitting, which he's not right now, and he's batting 225, that's not good enough. Especially when you have guys down there that you know are probably, well, I shouldn't say no, that are probably going to be better than mm-hmm. what Ryan McKenna can do. I just, there's better hitters down there. Yeah, We, we, we know there's better hitters down there. 
Colton and, Cowser being one of them, of course. Here's, here's the idea from me, and I, I, this is what I think the Orioles eventually will do. I think you got to make uh, Joey Ortiz your everyday shortstop. I, I, yeah. th- I think the time has come when you look at the middle infield and you look at what Adam Frazier's giving you offensively and what Jorge Mateo's giving you offensively. Those guys can still play two or three days a week, yeah. but you're at a point now where it's Joey Ortiz should be getting run every day, either playing second base or shortstop. I think his offensive upside eventually is better than what you're getting from Mateo. You move Mateo to that super utility role where he can be a late-game pinch runner. He can come in and play defense. He can get a couple starts a week. He can go play outfield for you right. if, if you need him to. If if Adam Frazier and Taron Vavra and Ryan O'Hearn can play corner outfield for you, you're not going to convince me that Jorge Mateo can't. Uh, right. Look, go back and look uh, a few years ago, if, if you're watching, go back and look up the Jorge Mateo catch in San Diego. It was incredible in left field yeah uh, he made an unbelievable catch that just proves to me right there and people have been posting that over the last few days making the same argument that you have that he's could be fine as a corner outfielder there, there's really nothing Jorge Mateo is giving you right now at <laughs> least Adam Frazier I'll, I'll, I'm gonna defend him real quick gets clutch hits Adam Frazier comes up when you need him to he, he, and I he think gets, that's important he gets clutch hits and he puts the bat on the ball mm-hmm. you know and Brandon Hyde said it the other day that he's just a ball player and his yep. His numbers aren't indicative of the season that he's having because he puts together quality at bats and he puts the bat on the ball. The problem is a lot of times when he puts the bat on the ball, he's rolling over to the right side. You know, and and that happens, and I understand that. But there's no reason when you have Joey Ortiz already on your big league roster, you have um, Jordan Westberg knocking on the door. Now, Westberg's fallen off a bit. His average is down to like 292. And it was below that until he got a hit in his last at bat. On a, they didn't play yesterday, so it was on Thursday. Yeah. Um, but he's not on the forty man. That's going to change here soon. All right, you've you've got plenty of There's options. There's no way you can't change that. You've got to, and then you look at your fourth outfielder right now is Ryan McKenna. You can make it so that your fourth outfielder is still an everyday player with with what the Orioles have because you have you have Santander, Hayes, and. Hicks right now. Yep. I think Hicks eventually becomes your fourth outfielder when um, Mullins comes back. Yeah. And then Colton Kalzer should be replacing Anthony Santander in right, in right field and or in left field if you want Hayes' arm in right field. Mm-hmm. The thing about that is it's not saying that, you, that Anthony Santander can't play right field. I think he's actually done pretty well out there yeah. this year. Yeah, He's made some really incredible catches out he's there. He's been better than I think he was last year. Yeah. And I think he's having a better year than he had last mm-hmm. year overall. Colton Cowles is a better player. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not right now because he's young, doesn't have the experience, but eventually Colton Cowles is a better player. Anthony yeah. Santander is a prototypical DH. Yep. He is a yep. prototypical DH, and that's a guy who you, who you don't mind batting four, five, or six yeah. in, in a run-producing role as a DH. Yeah, uh, a few weeks ago you could have made the argument, look, the Orioles don't really have anywhere to put Jordan Westberg. They don't really ha- have anywhere to put Colton Cowser. But now you look at Aaron Hicks, may fall off. You've talked about the other shoe dropping with him. It could be imminent. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, but I think I'm seeing the same thing you're seeing. It's it's starting to look a little worse from him. And then look at the infield, as yeah. you just talked you're, about. You're, Gunnar Henderson is your most productive hitter in the infield right now. A- outside of Ryan O'Hearn, I guess. But yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but when I when I think of infield, you think I of the other three. You, you think of yeah. second, third, and short. Right. And Gunnar's hitting 237. It, 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 like, it's not like he's hitting yeah. 280. And he's he's gonna get there. Maybe not 280 this year, but he's gonna finish the year. I think batting above 250. I was gonna say 250, 255, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. like his average has shot up over the last three weeks because he's been so yep. hot. 
um, despite him going over four yesterday. But Gunnar Henderson at 237 is your most productive right. infield hitter. That has got to change. And and the thing is, it's not like you're sacrificing the defense. Jordan Westbrook is a really good defensive second yeah. baseman. Joey Ortiz is a phenomenal defensive shortstop. Right. He's just as good with the glove, if not better, than Jorge Mateo. Jorge Mateo's defensive, uh, his outstanding defensive work comes from the fact that he gets the balls that other guys can't. Right. Which goes back to he can play outfield because how many balls do you see him run down in the outfield from shortstop that, uh, uh, like pop-ups, that... Other guys just can't run down. I really don't think there's a justifiable reason that Jordan Westberg is not on this roster. The, it, the only it's not justifiable, but a lot of people keep saying super two. But aren't we past that? I, I, even if we aren't, I, I don't know the date. It's I think usually it's, it's usually in, I thought it was in May in the past. I could be wrong, but regardless, regardless of when that is, and regardless of any of that, Jorge, uh, excuse me, Jordan Westberg helps this team right now. Jorge Mateo is hurting this team right now. I agree. So you've got to make that move because if you're really serious about a playoff run, and I want to see how serious the Orioles are. I was talking to a friend about this this week that we're going to see at the trade deadline really how serious the Orioles are yeah. about this. But I think Jordan Westberg is, a, is another reason that I'm not sure how serious they are. He would be here right now if they yeah. were serious about this playoff run they, because that's the move that is just – has to happen right now. You I look agree. At, again, you look at the infield. Adam Frazier, Jorge Mateo, none of these guys are being necessarily productive in any way. And even if you want to throw Jordan Westberg in the outfield just to get his bat in the lineup, that's perfectly okay. It's perfectly okay. There's, again, not a whole justifiable reason for me. Yeah, it's... it's I can't say it any better. The Orioles have a hole in the rotation. They have a hole in the offense, primarily the infield, and they have a hole in the relief core. Yeah. And they've got moves to make. One of these not everything can be in house. The infield, that's an in-house move. You've got options in the infield. Right. That's that that's an in-house move. We got to get Stan on the line. We were way past due to give him a call here. Um but no, the, the Orioles, they've got moves to make and Zach's right. We'll see how serious they are when it comes to the deadline which is approaching faster than you think. Meanwhile, I want to remind you that Press Box's Glenn Clark Radio is a sponsor of the show and it is also the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, those lucky bastards caught up with Jackson Holiday, Orioles legend Dennis Martinez, and new Maryland baseball coach Matt Swope. You can find those interviews and more right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Weekend Review feature at Press boxonline.com. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that word on the air, but, you know. Well, you just did, so it's okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess, well, you just did. Stan, uh, Stan will let you know when he comes on. Um, speaking of Stan, he is on the line with us now. Stan, good morning. How are you? What word did you just say? I said bastards, and I don't know if you're allowed to say that or not. I really don't know. Of course you are. Of okay. course you are. Okay. Yeah. Well, then those yeah. guys are lucky bastards. Uh, Stan, the Orioles yeah. weren't, weren't so lucky yesterday, losing to the Cubs. 10-3. to Brandon Hive removes uh, Cole Irvin after four innings and 68 pitches and a laced single up the middle. Also three home runs allowed, three solo home runs allowed in the third inning. Stan, at the time, I didn't really have a problem with taking Irvin out. I thought the writing was on the wall, and I understood you're only down 3-2. to two. You're on the road. You're trying to get a victory. You want to try and limit the damage here um, and get out in front of it. The problem is, Stan, it didn't seem like they had a plan in case a starting pitcher 
didn't go deep into a game because they went with Bauman, then Perez, then Garrett. And then the guy who you would think would be the long guy, Aiken, was the last guy to pitch. And now you're looking up at the scoreboard, and it's 10-3. to What were your thoughts on how the maneuvering of the pitching staff yesterday? You know, once Cole Irvin got, you know, exposed, um, there really wasn't much to do. You know, I mean, I think Brandon is very confident in Michael Bauman. And Bauman, as much as I've liked a lot of what I've seen from Bauman, he hasn't been as consistent as I'd like. And maybe that's partly because his role changes, but I think it was a confidence factor at that point in the game. Yeah, and then you see today... And if you bring in a lefty there, if you bring in a lefty, you you really haven't taken advantage of the fact that you started a lefty and they probably had a predominantly right-handed lineup. That's, so that's true, too. I, I think that may have played in, yeah. I'm, I'm certain that it did. We know Brandon Hyde loves to match up. And, uh, you know, when they had nine righties in their starting lineup yesterday, it's an excellent and fair point there, Stan. You know, the lefty wasn't do, doing the job while bringing in another lefty to counter with the righty. Totally understand that point of view. I think my bigger issue, Stan, is that Austin Voth, you know, he's been up and down this year. He goes on the 15-day IL, and you replace him with a journeyman reliever who's ha- in, in Reed Garrett, who's having a nice year down in Norfolk, but you replace him with a short-inning reliever, and now you don't have that guy to give you the innings, and maybe the issue there is you didn't bring up somebody. Like today, Reed Garrett gets option back down to AAA, and they call up Spencer Watkins, who... Hasn't been great in AAA, but he has a big league experience. You're kind of wondering why that mm-hmm. wasn't the move in the first place, other than the fact that he had pitched pretty recently before that. What are your thoughts on the option of Garrett for Watkins today? Well, um, clearly they want to have another fresh arm, um, but Garrett is is not any answer. You know, they're they're the way this roster is going right now. I'm just. I'm a little befuddled that they haven't, you know, we're not talking about going out and getting Corbin Burns now, but I'm, I'm a little befuddled that they, they don't seem to, to be willing to do anything to, to get better in their, their bench, both pitching bench and, uh, you know, regular bench. Yeah. You know, I, I just think there's better alternatives to seeing out Perez I think there's better alternatives to Austin both. I think there's better alternatives to McKenna. I think there's better better alternatives to John, Josh Lester. I, I just um, I'm a little befuddled by by why they're not getting better. Well, yeah, and, and Stan, let's let's talk about that then because I have notes in 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 here about both. And let's start with the bullpen. How much can you really trust this bullpen? You look at Yenier Cano, and the ERA is still dazzling. He's not giving up runs. His whip in the last 12 outings is 1.8. This is a guy who didn't allow a base runner in his first, I think it was first 14 outings. His whip the last 12 outings is 1.8. Brian Baker and Mike Bauman, they're either really good or really bad. Perez can't get anybody out. Garrett, who's now not here, not a big league pitcher. You have both Tate and Givens all on the I.L., you have two relievers, Stan, that I think you can really trust right now, and that's Danny Coulomb and Felix Bautista. That can't be. If you're going to be a playoff contending team, you've got to have people that you can trust aside from your closer. Do you? Maybe it's too early to make a trade, but and is there anybody internally that they can even turn to to place into this into this bullpen to help them get a little bit better after their starter comes out of the game? 
Well, I'll be honest. I don't think they've got. I don't think they have the, that person in the organization right now. I don't you think know. they do either. Um, I, yeah, that's what I see right and, now. And then you and look. It's the time. To, it's the time to get creative. There's a lot of, you know, I don't have any names on the top of my tongue right now, but there's there's got to be people that they could go out and and acquire. Well, and, and I look at this. And you it's have... exacerbated. It's exacerbated by how poorly uh, Cole Irvin pitched yesterday. Yeah, know? yeah, and and that's the other thing, Stan, is they haven't locked down this fifth spot in the rotation. You know, Wells is turning into an ace before I. Somebody said that he's like a right-handed John Means, and I love that comparison. Um, and then you look at what you, what you're getting out of Kyle Gibson. This is about as good as we could have asked for out of Kyle Gibson. He's been he's been good. Yeah. You know, Dean Kramer. Um, Kyle Bradish, they're kind of what you expect out of young second-year guys, basically second-year guys, up and down, sometimes really good, sometimes really bad. That fifth spot has just been, it's been dreadful. And you look at Grayson Rodriguez down in the minor leagues, he stacked three really good starts in a row down there, but that's not enough to have him called back up yet. You need to see probably three or four more before you're ready to trust him again. They have a hole in the rotation. They have a hole in the bullpen. They have a hole offensively. Yet this team is still forty-three and twenty. Was it forty-three and twenty-six? They're still playing good baseball. And Zach, Zach made a really great point. He's like, "You have to. We're going to see how serious this team is about a playoff run, based on what they do over the next six weeks. What they're going to do by the deadline. How serious do you think this team is, Stan? About about. And when I say team, I mean the front office about making a playoff push here. I think they're I think they're pretty serious about it. You know, I mean, I think it's a little bit exacerbated by um, how how far Tampa is in front of us. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we do have those two games with them this week, but they they may be sort of they may be sort of pacing themselves to do something to see where they sit. But you know, they, they clearly have an excellent chance to make the playoffs this year. They really do. Oh, they, they, you know, there's no doubt about it. If they play 500 ball the rest of the way, they're still a 90 win team. You know that that's right. that's a, that's a team that's that's making the playoffs this year, and I think that we can all agree that they're probably going to be a better than a 500 team the rest of the way. They've been they've been winning two out of every three games since the start of the year, Stan, and it, it yep. goes to the point that we just talked about how flawed this team is, but yet they continue to basically win two out of every three games. What are the intangibles that are really kind of setting? this team apart and is it really the influence of the manager where you can see it feeding into how they play? Well, uh, the manager certainly has something to do with it. He sets the, he sets the tone, but, uh, you know, again, you've you got a couple, you got a couple decent ball players on this team and mm-hmm. Rutschman and Henderson. It looks like he's Henderson looks like he's really ready to explode. I mean, he has, for a short period of time, it'll be interesting to see if he um, um, continues on an upward tra- trajectory because right. he's he right now is the big difference maker. Austin Hayes is having a really great season, yep. uh, and they're do- and they've really continued to do this without Cedric Mullins for what Mullins has been down for about twelve or thirteen games. Yeah, they say he's I down. Guess, he's down in Sarasota like and he's resumed baseball activity, so that's good news. Yeah. That's still probably two and a half, three more weeks, right? Probably. Uh, probably. That that might be on the long – I'm hoping that's on the long side, but you're probably pretty accurate right. with that. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, Hicks has been, uh, you know, 
you know, I either predicted, I predicted when we got Hicks that he would be a 10 or 12 day acquisition that would bridge the gap to bring Kowser up. Uh, but I did qualify that by saying, or he really just sort of gets out of the Yankee rut and away from all the negativity that can encompass a player who's, who's playing poorly in New York and not for a short window. He'd been playing poorly due to injuries uh, for, you know, most of the last three seasons there right. in New York. But they had a big contract, so they were trying to extract as much as they could out of him. And finally, they threw their hands up. And he gets to a place where he doesn't have 20 media people bugging him every day and the fans booing him like crazy. So he's found like a new life right now. And I'll tell you what shocked me, and basically I don't see the Yankees play all that much unless they're playing the Orioles, is when last year, when they started trying to get him to come back from an injury and they moved Judge to center Mm -hmm. and played him in left field, and he didn't even look very good in left field. Uh, And to, to see him play center field, I think he takes better angles on the ball than Cedric Mullins. I really do. He he is a really good <clears throat> excuse me. He's a really good defensive center fielder. I never really watched him play left field, but if you've been playing center field your entire career and then you start to go play the corner outfield, the ball just comes off the bat differently. It, it, it's differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're it, absolutely right. It's yeah. it's it, yeah, I'll, you're I'll, absolutely right. But I watch him when balls over his head. Mm-hmm. He has a much more clear path to balls than Cedric Mullins does. Now I'm not I'm not suggesting that uh, suddenly he's going to play center field and Mullins is going to move to left, but that does uh, I have to be quite honest that does if he's going to play and Santander can DH and Hayes can play right that does give you a better defensive threesome in terms of their arm strengths. Yeah, you know Hayes really I mean Mullins really would be a better left fielder. You know. Yeah, and they they put. And I it's mean, not as if it's it's not as if that hasn't been done in Baltimore before. You know, Brady Anderson when he when he first came up was a quote unquote center. No, he was a center fielder for the Boston Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Devereaux was such a great athlete that they played Devereaux in center. Here, right. Johnny Oates started playing Devereaux in center, and Anderson in left, and it was it was a remarkable duo you know, defensively. Yeah, and, and I really do think, Stan, that the Orioles, and, and um, Ben Verlander said this about a month ago, I think the Orioles are on the verge of a dynasty here. I really do. I think they're on the verge of just, a, they're ready to take off. And for me, the sign of that is when they bring up Colton Kowser. And I think if you bring up Colton Kowser and you've got Hayes, Mullins, and Kowser in your outfield, and then you have your fourth outfielder is Hicks and Santander is DHing, that is a really, really good out, outfield DH combination there, I think, all the way around. And, and you were talking about a little bit earlier about the bench and Ryan McKenna, that he can't be on this roster anymore. Stan, I put in the, in the notes here McKenna, 225 with a 620. Uh, OPS. You have Lester 222, 444, McCann 187, 568. The the, the time's got to be now, Stan. I, I, I think maybe the time's even passed where you've got to get Kowser uh, up here. I think you've got to get Westberg up here. I think that they give you the better opportunity. And Stan, I'm ready to see Joey Ortiz play shortstop every day and turn Jorge Mateo into that super utility guy. I think that they are, these are moves, in my opinion, where you're not trading for anybody. You're improving Internally, mm-hmm. 
and internally. I, yeah. it, it makes the team that much better. And yeah, there's going to be some growing pains uh, for for Westberg and Kalzer, but you're not going to be able to convince me that those guys don't make your team better in the long run for this season. Your thoughts on that? I agree with pretty much everything you say. I'm I'm not I'm not ready to totally give up. I know the the evidence is starting to weigh on the side of Mateo not being a regular, but again, I think he's such a special defender. Yeah. Um, and I haven't seen I haven't seen enough of Joey Ortiz to have made that that you know comment that oh yeah he's equal to him or better than him. Um, I just so far I like that, but your <clears throat> your idea of having Kalzer and Westberg I think is probably right on the money. Yeah, and- McCann they're, McCann they're not going to do anything with because sure. he's a solid defender and. You know, they don't have to pay him virtually anything the next two years. And he's got some pop. There's no doubt that he's got some pop. He hits a lot of balls hard. Not not everybody's going to hit 260, 270 coming off your bench, and we get that. And your backup catcher, the the, the good offensive catchers in this league, Stan, they start. Your backup catcher on every team is basically – McCann is, I think, the best you can hope for. So I think we're on the same page there. Now, Stan, I'll tell you, a bench player who has turned into an everyday player is Ryan O'Hearn. And what he is doing right now, three more hits yesterday, 334 batting average, a 1,004 OPS, five home runs, 19 RBIs. At this point, even when Mountcastle comes back, is it safe to say that Ryan O'Hearn has earned that job and Mountcastle's got to earn it back? I think it's fair enough to say, and you know me, I'm as critical as they come on Mountcastle, but I, 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 don't, I don't see him playing over Mountcastle against left-handed pitching. Sure. Um, I see Mountcastle, I see Mountcastle playing against lefties, and manager Brandon Hyde, basically the way he is, I think he'll still get a yeoman's share of the starts against right-handers. Um, Sometimes you have to be careful. I, I'm a I'm an O'Hearn guy, but I, I learned this years ago when I would watch like Jim Dwyer play for the Orioles, and I'd say, "Boy, he should be in there every day." And there's a reason somebody's 30 years old, and they're you know I don't know if he's 28 or 30 or 32 O'Hearn, sure. but there's a reason. Uh, that those players are what they are. The more they play, once they start playing every day, their weaknesses get exposed too. So I pump the brakes on saying he's like sort of permanently won the job. He's he's in uh, Brandon Hyde's circle of trust, though. There's no question he's uh, he's an Oriole for the foreseeable future. He is a decent decent player. Yeah, and and I never feel I never feel. Like he's a token outfielder that you got to cringe every time the ball's hit. He's a he's a decent outfielder uh, in the corners and and can play a really nice first base. And he's uh, he's a real nice acquisition that yeah, he, they've made. He's he, the best thing you can say about he's a ball player. He he just knows how to. He's play a ball game. player. He, yeah, he's a ball yeah, player. Yeah. It, it, We're in agreement on that. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. So, um, Stan, so we're 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 looking at this right now. And is there anything that the Orioles can do? To you're coming off a 10-3 loss, and it's always doom and gloom, and it's always you're kind of looking at things, and it's, and you start to think the worst after your team gets blown out. For all we know, they're going to come out and win the next two games going away. But what can they do to kind of bounce back? This team has kind of shown that ability 
over the, over the course of the season to, to bounce back from tough losses, tough stretches, and get back to playing some good baseball. What does it say about the makeup of this team, and what can they do to kind of right the ship immediately in this series? Well, they they can get good pitching. You know, I mean that's what that's what uh, that's what cost the Orioles yesterday. So they've got Kyle Gibson going today, and he's pitching against a pretty good left-handed pitcher in Justin Steele. Uh, so that's this game is not a cakewalk. Is this game on Masson, by the way, guys? Uh, let me take a look for you real quick. I can because I saw I saw that it was on MLB TV today. Uh, out of market. It's on, it's, on, um, it's on Masson too. So if it's out of, if you're out of the it's, market, it's, it's on MLB Network. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So it's okay. it's, it's on Masson. Uh, and then tomorrow, tomorrow they're the Peacock game tomorrow. Yep, at 1.05 p.m. That is absolutely correct. It's okay. going to be Kramer against Jameson Tyon. Man, Steele. So is that 105, 105. Is that 105 Baltimore time? Yes. Yes. Okay. They did yeah, also I release the, the lineup already, too, for today's game. They've released the lineup for today's they game? They did, and there's no Ryan O'Hearn because uh, the, the sample size isn't big, but against lefties in his major league career, he has been quite terrible. So, so I, I think that's so their – Santander's playing first. I believe Ramon Arias no. is playing Arias. first base. Arias is at first Arias. base. Arias. He played it, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And that's, you got, uh, that's interesting. James McCann getting the start again today behind the plate. Mateo okay. and Ortiz up the middle at short yep. and second. That's a, I, I like that defensively. Okay. So uh, Kyle okay. Gibson's on your mound. He seems to be the guy. It uh, seems to be the guy who can get you deep in the ball games this year. So I, I think it could be a good one. I think today could be a really a really solid baseball game. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Stan, what do you got coming up? Um, this coming Thursday we've got. We, I've got to talk to Ross and uh, Luke. We're going to do a show Monday, but I've got a. Um, uh, an event I got to get to, so we may do it as, as early as three o'clock. Okay. Because the event I've got is so, sort of in the D.C. area, um, and then Thursday night, Gary won't be in town. Gary's daughter is getting married, and he's got to be out in San Diego uh, to walk her down the aisle in the next week or so. Another lucky uh, bastard going the, out to San Diego. <laughs> yeah, another lucky, lucky bastard. Yeah. Um, and there's that word you shouldn't say on the radio. My I'm apologies. kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no, I'm kidding. You can always say bastard on the radio. <laughs> you can't say the other, like the uh, the S word, the F word. You can't say those words. No. Okay. Um, but uh, we've got, I've got uh, Frank Remish, who's the um, general manager of the CBF uh, Bank uh, building. I uh, wanted to talk to him about you know, uh, how it's going down there, the new uh, venue, and what that could mean to sports uh, in the marketplace. You know, look, the notion that we're ever going to get an NHL team or an NBA team is just not happening. Um, and to me, that's okay, because I don't know that the market could really support a third major league franchise. I just right. don't know. And I'm not just talking about attendance-wise. I'm talking about sponsorship and all that stuff. Sure. I think we're pretty maxed out at the two. But it doesn't mean we can't get some better quality events down there, say an Eastern Regional and the NCAA. Um, you know, so we'll talk to him about that. Well, Stan, all I will right? tell you, I, I played 30 and over baseball, and I just played Frank Remish's team on Sunday, 
and I struck Frank out uh, on, on a, uh. I struck him out on a nasty changeup in my in his lone at bat against me on Sunday. So if you want to remind him of that, I, I won't fault you. For I it. will. I will make. I'll make mention. Of that, okay. <laughs> All right, Stan. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next Saturday. Hey, talk to you guys soon. Okay. Right, Good talking you. to you. Bye. You do. That was Stan the fan, Charles, who has changed up his format for his weekly shows. Now, every Monday at 6 p.m., Stan will join will be joined by former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley and Press Box's managing editor Luke Jackson to break down the latest with the birds. Every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein will chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Gary called up with new Maryland Stadium Authority Chairman Craig Thompson. You can watch the shows live at facebook.com slash pressbox or find them the next day at pressboxonline.com slash video and youtube.com slash pressbox online so you can join Stan and Ross and Luke Jackson this Monday and every Monday night at 6 p.m. although this Monday as Stan said he's got an event he's got to get to so they may be on as early as 3 p.m. so stay tuned for that um <clears throat> excuse me we're gonna catch our first break no you know what we're gonna do sounding off right now we're gonna do sounding off right now and then we'll then we'll catch our first break Zach, what do you got for us today? All right, so I think a lot of people heard about this this week, but Rob Banford made some comments to June Lee uh, about in which he posted on Twitter about the whole Oakland A's situation. So I don't know if you heard these comments or I have not too much. Okay, so I'm going to read you quotes from Rob Manfred posted by June Lee. So the real question is, what is Oakland prepared to do? There is no Oakland offer. Okay, they never got to a point where they had to build a stadium at any site, and it's not just John Fisher. The community has to provide support. Uh, and then he said on the reverse boycott that the A's fans did this week where they all showed up to the stadium and it was a, it was a big event. He said, I mean, it was great. It was great to see what this year is, is almost an average Major League Baseball crowd in the facility for one night. That's a great thing. And then he said further, there's one more quote I have for you, um, about studies that say stadiums do not generate significant local economic growth. He said, I love academics. They're great. Take the areas where baseball stadiums had been built. Look at where it was around Truist Park before that was built. Academics can say whatever they want. So Rob Manfred goes on. Academics? He said academics can say whatever they want. He's talking about, I guess, the people who wrote this study about stadiums not providing economic growth. Which, by the way, uh, I was a sport management major at Towson. And one of the things we talked about significantly was that exact topic. And Mm -hmm. they really haven't. I mean, stadiums, you, you look at... The obviously a lot of stadiums are proposed by people that think that the wealth of these stadiums and the jobs that these stadiums are going to create is going to overall trickle down to the community. It's kind of the whole concept that trickle down economics is based on. It never really works. So Rob Manfred kind of going up against that. So then Oak, the Oakland mayor's office comes back and says about what he said that the community provided no support. There was never a concrete offer from the Oakland city of Oakland. And the mayor's office says, that is totally false. There was a very concrete proposal under discussion. Oakland has gone above and beyond clear hurdles, including securing funding for infrastructure, providing an environmental review, and working with other agencies to finalize proposals. So Rob Manford, to me, comes off as what he usually does, which is... Dishonest? Uh, well, that's that's one of the things. But obviously... This is a guy who never has seemed to care about fans and never has seemed to care about any of these cities that are actually part of his Major League Baseball franchises that he oversees. The, to me, this is so inconsiderate to all of these Oakland fans who really, and, and there's a lot of good fans and, and they're a very historic franchise, who have supported this team year after year after year to basically just say, whatever, 
Oakland didn't do anything. The community doesn't provide support. That is the most short-sighted thing I, I think he could ever say. And I know if it was you know our team moving out of Baltimore or if it was really any other team moving out of any other city, people would feel the same way. And maybe Oakland doesn't have the fan base that you know the New York Yankees do or the Chicago Cubs do because look at the market. They're right next to a much larger city in San Francisco, and a lot of the fans are, are larger fans of, of the Giants than the Oakland A's. But they have a strong fan base that is completely tossed aside by Rob Manford here. You look at the Oakland Athletics, and they are synonymous with baseball in the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. And then, oh, by the way, in the 2000s, there's a movie that's been made about how they ran their team and how successful they were. And we're talking about Moneyball. Really good movie. Love that. One of of my all-time favorite baseball movies. The Oakland Athletics are a proud franchise with a great history, a rich, deep history, and you look at how good that team has been when they weren't supposed to be. And we're not talking about a team that has now been in mediocrity or worse for a decade. Yeah. It's been two years of bad baseball. Right. Two years ago, in 2021, they were contending for a playoff spot. Right. It's been two years of bad baseball, and now they're being jettisoned out of town. Right. Major League Baseball is not Major League Baseball without the Oakland Athletics in Oakland. And what it really comes down to is baseball, Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred, they won a team in Las Vegas. Right. And to them, what they did with the, with the Oakland Coliseum, I don't even know what the hell it's called now. What they did out there, putting that huge monstrosity of a, an upper deck section in, yep. de, in dead center field, it's not a ballpark anymore. It's no. a football stadium. Yes. Right? And they don't have football there either. Right, right, the, right, right. It's... To them, it was the logical move. You move a team from Oakland to Las Vegas in football, move a team right. from Oakland to Las Vegas in baseball. Now you have two of the biggest professional sports in the world at in Las, Las Vegas, Vegas, which is what you wanted, and now Oakland fans be damned. The fact that, that they say that the, that the fans haven't turned out, I mean, that's, that's BS. And then he goes, by the way, Mark Feinsand had another quote from Rob Manford. Mm-hmm. I guess this was another interview. He says, I feel sorry for the fans in Oakland. I don't like the outcome. I understand why they feel the way they do. Like, we're uh, flopper, uh, man. All right. It's one side or the other, man. Pick a, pick, well, pick a lane. I, I'm taking this as very insincere, though. Uh, he, everything he does is insincere. Like, I, I, do, I don't like the outcome. But he's basically saying, like, okay, sorry. Like, that's, that's just whatever. He doesn't give a damn about the fans. He doesn't give a damn about the history of baseball. He gives a damn about filling his yeah. pockets. Well, and, and, and that's, what he's, that's, that's all he cares about. I, I think that and he says that there's no, there was no concrete plan ever, ever brought up by Oakland and, and the city of Oakland. I remember years ago they were putting all over social media uh, sketches of what the new Oakland ballpark would yeah, look like. They've been like. talking about it for a decade. I mean, they, yeah, it's it's been it's been for a while, and, and there was a point where they, I think they had secured land for it. This has been a long process that he's basically just saying the Oakland community and the city did not try to to save this team, did not try to do anything at all. When it's really the Major League Baseball front office that was the reason Oakland will end up in Las Vegas. That, that's what happened here. Essentially, it's too bad. It, it, essentially, and, and the writing was on. You saw it last year when they mm-hmm. completely tore down that franchise. There was no reason, right, to completely tear down that franchise. They, they were. I don't think they made the playoffs in 2021, but they were close. Yeah. They were like an 86 win team, right, um, in in 2021, and then out of nowhere, they decide, oh, we're tearing everything down, and we're gonna we're basically going to right. start from scratch. To me, the that writing was on the wall that 
they were moving to Vegas. I mean, there's probably a better, a better. I can't talk today. A better product, excuse me, if they move to Vegas with a completely stripped down team, and then they build it up from there, and every guy that comes out of that pipeline from there then on is a Las Vegas. A instead of an Oakland A, and they keep building that and build upon what they have there. That to me is probably what they want to do. You know, not make the team at least, you know, a 70 win team while you're in Oakland. Because this year it's probably going to end up, what, a 55 win team, 60 maybe, if they get lucky. You, you it's just at, hard to watch. You look at the, they're not going to win 60 games. I, they, I, I don't they'll, think they they'll, will. They'll be lucky to win 50. Yeah. But you go all the way back to 1999. Okay. So from 1999. Through t- now 2023, this team has had 16 winning seasons. Mm-hmm. You're talking a, 20, a 25 year stretch, 16 yeah. winning seasons, including 200 win seasons. They've made the playoffs since 1999, uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven times. And again, that's being. Next to a much larger market in San Francisco, mm-hmm. where there's a much larger group of fans because it's a much larger city, it's hard to do, especially yeah. in a competitive division year in year out. They, they the, the the fact of the matter is, the Oakland Athletics have been a really good franchise for a really long time, yep. and they have a really good fan base. And I'm sorry when your team loses a hundred games last year after being complete after you tore them down for literally no reason. They were 86 and 76 in 2021, and then they dropped to 60 and 102. And this year, they're going to be lucky to win 45 games. Right. They're 19 and 53 right now. Why would anybody show up to watch that team? It's the same thing that the Orioles went through. The Oakland Athletics since 1999 have more winning seasons and more playoff appearances than the Baltimore Orioles do since, like, 1987. And you make a great point. I'm, I'm, it, I'm sorry, since, ni- like, 1977. Right, and, and you make a great point that it really feels like this losing season and the teardown that happened in the past two years is really because of Major League Baseball almost pushing them out over mm-hmm. and over of Oakland. And the ownership, and I can't remember the name of the owner. I, I don't but, know. But I, he's I been know. the owner there yeah. forever and very cheap. Yeah. Doesn't want to spend the money. And uh, you, you're telling me he's going to get hundreds of millions of dollars, yeah. billions, by by moving his team to, to Vegas? Right. Um, hmm. Are you surprised? The writing was, as soon as they started tearing this team down, because they've been talking about a team going to Vegas for a long time, yep. and Oakland made the most sense because of the proximity right. and what they had just done with the Raiders. It To me, I knew this move was coming two years ago. Yeah. There, there's no other excuse to take a team who had just posted one, two, three, four straight winning seasons and been to the playoffs three of those four years, right. there's no reason to tear that team down. It's not like they were a bunch of aging veterans and you had to start fresh. Yeah, that's not that wasn't it, the case. It, it bothers me even more because of the history we talked about before. When you talk about the, you know, Ricky Henderson, the the Reggie Jacksons, all of those guys that now it's just a completely it, it's going to change everything for the history of this franchise and, and and now being in a completely different city and you look at oh, the the Raiders I, I don't look at it quite the same way they don't have quite the storied history that the Oakland A's do and they never really had the success that the Oakland A's have had I mean they, again you've talked about 16 seasons over the past 25 the Oakland Raiders had nowhere near that kind of no. success when they were no. in Oakland and now they've been pretty mediocre when it comes to Las Vegas too Again, maybe this is overall going to be, we'll look back on it in 10 years and say this was good for the sport overall, but it really sucks for the, the fans in Oakland. So it really sucks for them. The, the athletics moved 
from Philadelphia to Kansas City. Like 27? In, in, in 1950, after the 1954 season. Oh, it was a lot later. Season. Oh, wow, okay. So they, moved, they moved from Philadelphia to Kansas City hmm. uh, to that. start the 1955 season. And then they moved from Kansas City to Oakland in 19, to start the 1968 season, where they just immediately just started winning ball games. I thought they were in Kansas City far earlier than the 50s. Yes. So it was... Um, so the Oakland Athletics, moved, they, their first year in Oakland was 1968, and then they immediately posted, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine straight winning seasons after moving, right. after moving to Oakland, after posting, oh my gosh, they didn't have a winning season in Kansas City ever. Ever. Really? No wow. winning seasons in Kansas City ever. You have to go back to 1952 to find their last winning season prior to moving to Oakland. And then they moved to Oakland in 1968 and, pro- and rip off nine straight winning seasons. Since they moved to Oakland in 1968, they've made the playoffs 21 times, and they have four World Series championships. Yep. Four yeah. World Series championships. And they're championships, just going to leave all of that, and, and the, just gonna leave all of that behind. You're going to look at image. It's going like, to be like looking at the Indianapolis Colts Posting highlights of their franchise and seeing Johnny yeah. Unitas throwing passes. Yeah, it, that's what it's going to be like. It's, it's going to be like looking at Ricky right. Henderson, being like he wasn't a, a Las Vegas athletic; he was an Oakland athletic. Right, you can't really call it the same thing. Yeah, you, you can't really call it the if, same if, thing. If you're going to move them, change the damn name, change the damn name, and then yeah. when, when you expand the 32 teams, put another freaking team back in Oakland. I was very upset the about the prospect of the Rays moving because I hate that idea, and I, I still hate that idea. I'm almost more upset at this because, again, you're, you're, the Rays were, what, 1996? I think they, they, they joined the league. Yeah, so they've only been in the league for a, a relatively short period of time, under 30 years. And this is, for Oakland, a incredibly historic franchise that only has been in Oakland since 1968, but has been around for a very long period but of time. But they've been around 15 less seasons than the Baltimore Orioles, mm-hmm. and they have more World Series championships and more playoff appearances. Yeah. It's yeah. since they, since they got a, it, 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 it's terrible. It's it's just yeah. it, honestly yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's just terrible. Now terrible. look, if you want to put a team in Nashville, okay, yeah. move the Marlins there. Give the Ra- the Rays are too good of a franchise. Move that. Give them a new stadium that's actually in Tampa Bay. Right. Right. Move them over the bridge. Give them a brand new stadium and let's go. You're gonna get fans to turn out. The only the reason fans don't turn out to Tampa Bay is because. There, the the stadium is just like well, it, it's nowhere near Tampa Bay. And that was going to be my last point too. If you really want people to show up to the ballpark, whether it's Oakland, whether it's Tampa Bay, even whether it's Miami, give them a ballpark that number one is top quality mm-hmm. that you actually put time and thought into. The o- Oakland Coliseum is a great number of years old. I have no idea how old it is, but it's incredibly old. Probably in 1968. Yeah, pr- probably somewhere around there. Whenever the Raiders were, you know established i don't know what it is but it's it's an old stadium tampa bay rays not located well so you've got to locate it well that's number two and then make it affordable to come to ball games well that's never and obviously and, obvi- and, and obviously make your team competitive would that, be it, well very helpful. so the rays give them a new stadium in tampa bay if you, right. you're gonna they, they're going to expand to 32 teams it's oh, going yeah. to happen nashville's gonna get a team all right so my whole thing is fine move the athletics to las vegas Change the team name. Make them the the Las Vegas Dice Rollers. I don't know. Like who the hell cares? The, the Las Vegas Crap Tablers. You know who? Who? I, I don't know. Change the name. The, the Dice Rollers. I like that. Uh, change the freaking name. And the Las Vegas Degenerates. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There, there yeah. you go. J- change the name to 
whatever. Mm-hmm. And then in two years, when you're going to expand anyway, right? put a team in Nashville, put a team back in Oakland, and let them be the Oakland Athletics. I was going to say, what are your two cities that you would like to expand it's, it, to? It, I mean, it's got to be Nashville. It's Nashville and Vegas. It's, that's already what it is. It's, well, that but, doesn't make 32, though. Let me right, but then you put, an, put another team back in Oakland. You I, I don't think that's going to happen. You can't have... No team in Oakland. I think Portland is going to be the place that gets one. But I think the, you're going to uh, see similar fan support in, Por- in Portland as you would have seen to Oakland, but, but at least they'd have the, a nice ballpark. The Mariners are the team up there, man. You're going to put yeah. you're going to put two baseball teams in an area where it rains 260 days out of the year. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, you know, and yeah, you got, you got to build a dome. I just I, I But don't there's think. been a, a commission in Portland that's been up there for probably 15, 20 years that's been begging for a team. And again, I yeah. I don't know what the market size would look like. Maybe it, go, maybe, it'd be probably the smallest market in baseball. Maybe they go back to Montreal. The problem here, <laughs> uh, yeah. The problem yeah. here is that we're, you're going to be facing the same thing in 15, 20 years that you're right. seeing from Mo- Montreal fans, where it's like Montreal was really, really good in the '90s, and then yeah. they started to fall off, and they wanted to, they wanted an expansion franchise, so they were like, all right. You know, we want a team back in D.C. Let's right. get rid of the Montreal Expos because the fan support isn't there anymore. And then finally, once it's like, oh, crap, our team's moving. Right. Now we're going to send out 40,000 fans to the stadium to show how much we care about baseball. And then 15, right. 20 years later, it's suddenly, hey, guys, we de- we deserve another team. On the, on the one hand, it's like this sucks. But on the other hand, it's like you guys stop showing up. Also, isn't it crazier to think that you'd have a stadium in Vegas being built for – what probably a hundred couple hundred million more than you pay for a stadium to be built in Oakland yeah but you have more funding I, I would think in Vegas way more funding in Vegas I mean yeah I guess so but yeah, it, it's way more Vegas land I would assume is far more expensive than Oakland yeah but I, I, I would mean, think but but the 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 revenue coming in man and it, it's, it's it's I I guess you got a point but it's Vegas yeah, I mean it's it's yeah. Vegas you know what I mean the fact it's taking this long to get professional franchises out there is kind of mind-blowing to me yeah. but it, it's no, I don't, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's good it's, for the city of Las Vegas. I, wa- I want to know what the support looks like in Las Vegas, though, because I, I'm interested in that. I mean, I don't know how the Raiders have done. I think it's probably a bigger, going to be a lot bigger of a football town than it is a baseball town, just from what I, I can gather of, of being, you know, I've been to Las Vegas before. Something tells me that that town is still more of a tourist town than anything else. And yeah, I, but, the, I, but the thing is, you're going to get tourists. What, what's what's going to happen is, you're going to have so many people that are fans of their franchise that's going out to Vegas to play an away game, yeah. and they're going to use it as an excuse to take a trip well, to Vegas. I'm going to say nightly, there are going to be more people in the in the Vegas A's ballpark that are not from Las Vegas than yeah. will be from and, Las and, Vegas. And, and that's, that's the other thing, is that a lot of people might not even be fans of either team that's playing. Yeah. But they're in Vegas, and it's, just it's, more part, entertainment. It's, it, and it's part of the experience, yeah. part of the entertainment experience. And it's like, hey, let's go catch a ball game. We can get we can get nosebleed seats for fifty bucks a pop. Yeah, you know, I dropped that on I dropped that on the craps table twenty minutes ago. So last point I have, real quick, is that again, another thing I, I learned from the Great Sport Management uh, Program at Towson is that we we did a case study and we looked at Miami uh, and, and why the Marlins have been so uh, incredibly. What what's the good word for it? There's been there's been nobody that goes to this game. Marlins yeah. have had terrible attendance for 15 years plus, and we did a case study on why. And uh, one of the professors did actual you know real research on this, and what they found was that it's Disney that takes away, and Universal Studios, and everything yeah. else there is to do in Florida that takes away the beaches, whatever it is that takes away from the fans at 
Major League Baseball games. And I have to think that's not incredibly different in Las Vegas. Well, the, the difference is that Universal Studios and Disney and all that stuff, you're taking your kids there. Yeah. You're taking your kids there, and that's what you're there for, yeah. right? In Vegas, it's adults. It's all adults, and they're looking to keep the party going. And when you know that it's, that, that city is just up nonstop, yeah. you can go sit by the pool and have your drinks at, at, at a lazy river in the morning. You can have lunch, go, into, go and gamble, go catch a ball game, and then come out after the ball game and go back into the casino and, and keep gambling and keep the party going. Yeah. It, it, it's going to be – I understand moving a professional sports franchise to Vegas. It makes all the sense in the world. I guess. I just think that model is a lot more sustainable for a team that plays 17 games in the Vegas Raiders than a team that plays 162. And that's fair, too. That's fair, too. Like, I, I just don't think that's going to be an every-night thing. Maybe if it's a Raiders game, yeah, you go out, you party, and then you, you yeah, go to the game, yeah, you come back and party after. That's fine. I'm just saying for 162, I don't know. You, but you also look at the fact that you're, you're having so many tourists every single day of the year out there. And, true, and true. Not to mention the fact that, like, what's an average ballpark, ballpark drawing attendance-wise on a Tuesday in May? You know, or or or, I, I don't know. or a Thursday in April. Those stats are skewed by teams like Chicago, who had ninety-one percent capacity yesterday, which I yeah. looked it up. I mean, that was yeah, a, two two oh five, a two twenty game on a Friday. Or a Friday afternoon. Like, yeah. when do you ever see that? Thirty-seven thousand people showed up. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> Friday. They they took a half day yeah. going into the long holiday weekend. It actually makes perfect sense. It makes yeah, a sure, lot of so. freaking sense. Um, but yeah, I, to. You're getting the Orioles will draw twelve thousand fans, no matter how good they are. They'll draw they'll, they'll draw twelve thousand fans on a Tuesday in April. Right. You know what I mean? Right. They're gonna do more than that in Vegas on a Tuesday in April because it's gonna be warmer out there, and you have so many tourists out True. there. It just it, it it makes perfect sense. It just sucks that it's at the expense of the Oakland Athletics. Right. That sucks, man. We this was an awesome segment. Let's we go. took we took a lot of time. To do it though, we got to catch our Jesus. It's ten after twelve after <laughs> eleven. It's our first break. Today's show brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. When we come back in, uh, we got Todd Carbovich coming up. But first, the payoff pitch around the league. That's next on the Battle Round. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. We're trying to figure out. I thought that Ryan, <laughs> that Ryan Blake took Gunnar Henderson for take the rake, and Zach took Austin Hayes. We'll figure and, it out. And, and Zach tells me it's the other way around, so we're trying to and, figure and it out. And the guest did pick Gunnar Henderson the week before, so he. I'm 99% sure he took Austin Hayes. Okay. Well, th- I wrote down that, that I, like, th- literally what I have at the top here is exactly what I wrote we'll, down. We'll figure it out in the second set. break. So I we'll can, figure it out on the, on the next break, yeah. For sure. For show. Is <laughs> <laughs> she... Uh, what, what is it? The forty-year-old, the forty-year-old virgin. It's a great Did movie. You, you texted. She was a hoe. For sh- <laughs> she was a hoe. Yeah, I remember for that. Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was yeah. a hoe for show. I always like whenever I'm bored. I just you know you go through YouTube and you see like the the old clips of movies you love and the waxing scene in that movie. I will rewatch that a hundred times. That's, Did you know that's that ever, the greatest. Everything greatest scene. that he yelled out. Was improvised. Yeah. Well, it was, didn't they actually wax him? Wasn't yeah. that actually what they did? Yeah. yeah. It was. It was real. Yeah. So. Speaking of which, Steve Carell, he's synonymous with Michael Scott. You look at Michael Scott, and you know, you yeah. look at Steve Carell, you see Michael yeah. Scott. My wife and I have been watching the morning show mm-hmm. on Apple TV. By the way, if you don't have Apple TV, man, get it. Th- some of the best shows I've ever seen. Ted they're, Lasso, they're, the, the morning show. Production quality is really good. Um, Shrinking with with Jason Segel and Harrison Ford mm-hmm. is so it. I watch we it's one season. We watched it and he immediately catapulted up into maybe my top three shows of all time. Really, it is. So I, I've heard good. that's really good. I think my dad told me that one was great. What, it what, is. What's it about again? It's about um, these therapists. Jason Segel plays the main character, and his wife died okay. a year prior, and he's coping with being a single dad, and now he's changing how he um, how he works with his client with his uh, patients and okay. the whole show is just it's funny you feel you you experience the entire spectrum of emotions throughout the entire show and every character is so beautifully done okay the, they, the, it's just you have to watch it it's just a great show it's a great show and then the morning show season one is incredible it is from beginning to end it is incredible season two starts a little slow but now we're right in the middle of it and it is really good again yeah. and the, what i love about the morning show is that you're looking at jennifer aniston synonymous with rachel yeah. from friends steve carell synonymous with michael scott um from the office and then reese witherspoon synonymous with um legally blonde yeah you look at these characters and you don't see any other character no. they've ever played aside from the character they're playing right That's now that the acting is so phenomenal in this show it's just it's top notch it's an incredible show Absolutely incredible! It's it's like it's scintillating. It's a great show. Anyway, <laughs> what else wor- is that's a word? It, it is scintillating. What else is scintillating? The payoff pitch around the league. Austin Hayes and Ryan O'Hearn combined for five hits, but Trey Mancini doubled twice and walked twice versus former team, while while Chris Morrell homered and drove in three as the Cubs bludgeoned the Orioles' overrated bullpen ten to three. 
Luisa Rise went 5 for 5 with a home run and 3 RBIs to leave his average of 390 in the Marlins 6 to 5 win over the Nationals. Justin Turner homered twice including a grand slam driving in 6 as the Red Sox shellacked the Yankees 15 to 5. Tyler McGill struck out 7 over 6 innings of one run ball. Brett Beatty and Tommy Pham drove in 2 apiece and the Mets got back on track with a 6 to 1 win over the Cardinals. Travis Darnold homered twice, Eddie Rosario added a shot of his own, and Jared Schuster allowed one run while pitching into the sixth to lead the Braves past the Rockies 8-1. Danny Jansen provided all the scoring for the Blue Jays with a two-run shot, his third homer in two days, to back six shutout innings from Kevin Gossman as the Blue Jays wrangled the Rangers 2-1. Tyler Stevenson homered to provide the punch and, and to provide the punch Andrew Abbott needed while tossing seven shutout innings in a Reds 2-1 victory over the Astros. Patrick Sandoval allowed just four hits over seven shutout innings, and Brandon Drury had two hits and two RBIs to push the Angels past the Royals three to nothing. Joey Weimer, is it Weimer or Weimer? I think it's Weimer. Joey Weimer wreaked havoc yet again, homering and driving in two to lead the Brewers over the Pirates five to four. Javi Baez hit a three-run shot, and Matt Verling homered twice as the Tigers took down the Twins seven to one. Zach Gallon dominated Cleveland for seven innings, getting the offensive spark from Cattell Marte, Corbin Carroll, and Christian Walker, who each had two hits in an RBI to lead the D-backs over the Guardians 5-1. It's June, so Kyle Schwarber hit another home run, joining teammates JT Realmuto and Alec Bowman in the long ball department for the evening. Taiwan Walker turned in possibly his best start as a Philly, stymieing the A's with eight dazzling innings to topple Oakland 6-1. to one. Ugh. Randy Rosarena and Isak Paredes homered to back Shane McClanahan's typical line of six and two-thirds innings and one-run ball to stop the Padres 6-2. McClanahan improved to an MLB best 11-1 with the victory. Cy Young. Nelson Cruz homer for the Padres in the loss. Wilmer Flores homered and Austin Slater, who entered the game as a pinch hitter in the eighth, went three for three as the Red Hot Giants won their fifth straight, taking down the Dodgers 7-5 and 11. And finally, the Mariners scored single runs in the fifth, sixth, and seventh innings, the final one being the eventual game-winning home run off the bat of Teoscar Hernandez to take down the White Sox, three to two. Joey Wentz goes against Jose De Leon as the Tigers take on the Twins, two ten at Target Field, or as your first game today. Two twenty, Kyle Gibson takes on the lefty Justin Steele, Orioles and Cubs at Wrigley Field. To be determined goes for the Blue Jays. Dane Dunning, who's had a really good year, goes for the Rangers, four oh five in Texas. Braxton Garrett, the lefty versus Jake Irvin, the righty Marlins and Nationals, 405 at Nats Park, NL East matchup. Phillies take on the soon-to-be Las Vegas A's, 407 at the O.Dot Co. Christopher Sanchez takes on a name I'm never good at saying, but I'll do my best, James Caprillian. Uh, the Reds take on the Astros. Hunter Green takes on Brandon Belak, 410 at Minute Maid Park. Griffin Canning takes on Mike Myers, 410 at Kauffman Stadium. That's the Angels and the Royals. Cardinals will take on the Mets. Adam Wainwright versus Kodai Senga, 410 in Queens. Connor Siebel takes on Bryce Elder, another pitcher who's had an excellent year, 269 ERA thus far. Rockies and Braves, 410 at Truist Park. Lucas Giolito takes on Logan Gilbert, White Sox and Mariners, 410 in Seattle. Pirates and Brewers, Mitch Keller versus former Oriole Wade Miley, 410 at American Family Field. And by the way, Paul, Wade Miley still has a 3.67 ERA through this point in the season. Although he hasn't played a ton. Only only 24 strikeouts so far this year and only only uh, five games of record. But 3.67 ERA for Wade Miley. Yeah, Wade Miley. <laughs> the Rays and the Padres, Zach Eflin against the lefty veteran Blake Snell, 715 in San Diego. Clark Schmidt takes on Brian Bellow, 715 at Fenway Park. That's the Yankees and the Red Sox. Giants and Dodgers, another classic matchup to follow up the Yankees and the Sox. Alex Wood takes on Bobby Miller. Bobby Miller's been excellent this year, .78 ERA thus far. That's 910 at Dodger Stadium. Final game of the night, former ace Shane Bieber goes against Tommy Henry as the Guardians take on the D-backs, 1010 at Chase Field. 
that's what we got today. All right, very good, very good. By the way, Stan talked about it w- one time before, but Justin Steele has been really good this year, and yeah. the Orioles have, uh, you know, Ryan O'Hearn out of the lineup. It's going to be an uphill climb today, I think, against Justin Steele. Yeah, but they have Kyle Gibson going. The the, the Cubs offense isn't great, and True. the Orioles have really good defense behind um, behind Gibson today. I'm I think this is going to be a good ball game. Okay, I I, I think that this is going to be a, a really good ball. I'm going to go with like a. 5-3 win by the Cubs today. I, I just feel I, I feel Justin Steele is going to be too hard. They're going to have to get to the bullpen. And once they do, that's going to be when all their scoring comes. Well, but that's that's what I worry about. I'm going 4-3 Orioles. Okay. I think it's going to be... A, I, I think the Orioles are going to pull this one out. They, anytime I doubt them against a really good starting pitcher, they yeah. somehow manage to win that ball game. I think we'll see like six innings from Kyle Gibson today, three earned runs, and then you'll see the bullpen give up another two or three. That's yeah. kind of where I feel. Yeah. Um... I don't know. We'll we'll see how it plays out. By the way, these um parlays that are in the notes that I sent you, those aren't real. They they was this is a template that I copied from a previous show, and when, when we get to the better rounds, oh, I didn't even look at that part. So oh, okay, um, those aren't real in case you saw them. Perfect. Anyway, uh, time for Orioles banter, and we talked about this a little bit earlier in the show. Um, the bullpen needs help. Yeah, the bullpen needs help, and <sighs> you know what? Actually, <sighs> can we take a break? Sure. We 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 got we got to take a break. I I um I'm a little distracted right now, so I need to regroup here. And so let's take a let's take a quick break. I uh, want to remind you today's show brought to you by um Pressbox offers. Pressbox is offering new sports betters the best sign up bonuses and promos from seven legal online sports books. Go to pressboxonline.com/offers now and get offers like $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $10 bet or up to $1250 in bonus bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sports books. Go to pressboxonline.com/offers and sign up today. Uh, when we come back in, we're going to do some Orioles banter and then we'll talk to Tart Todd Karpovich. That's next on The Battle Round. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get, so get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. 
I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. He is Gunnar Henderson. Thank you all so much. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me, I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back in to the bat around. As Paul alluded to earlier, and as we talked about at the beginning of this show, the Orioles bullpen's been part of a problem lately. Uh, you know, the, the bats have been quiet as of late. There's been some guys that have really been struggling. The bottom half of the order hasn't been great, but I think it's the bullpen that's really been a problem. And, and we've looked at, you know, guys like Mike Ballman we talked about earlier. Yanner Cano has been off to uh, not the best part of his career, a 1.8 whip in his last 12 appearances. I think Yanner Cano is, is one of those guys who is really up for uh, – a, a, a lot of regression coming soon. Um, you see guys who are in the league for a little while. They start to get figured out. Teams start to look into the data. Teams start to look into the pitch metrics and start to identify places that they can start to improve against certain guys. So Yenner Cano is one of those who came out, pitched really well in his first few appearances, and then has hit a rough spot as of late. And he hasn't been awful. You know, he's gotten through it. He's, he'll load the bases and then get a few strikeouts or something along those lines. And his ERA is still 1.03 now in 29 games. But... I'm starting to get a little less confident there. But the real problem here for me is still CNL Perez at 5.55. The ERA has not gone down. Um, it really is just ballooned from here on. He's a 30 or a, a excuse me, a 23% worse pitcher than major league average according to ERA plus. The FIP is a little lower than the ERA. It's at 4.88. So he's got some to like there, but he's giving up almost 14 point hits, 14 hits per 9, which is an incredibly high number. He's only striking out 5.9 guys per 9 innings. The numbers really are terrible across the board for CNL Perez. And I'm looking at these numbers and I'm really confused as to where and why uh, CNL Perez is still on this team, especially when you have options in your minor league system. I'd even be willing to give guys like maybe Logan Glaspie a shot, a guy who's been up and, and pitched with some decent element of success last year. Maybe you decide it's time to give D.L. Hall another shot. He wasn't great in his first appearance for the Orioles in relief this year, but he has been decently effective in one or two relief appearances in the major leagues in the past. Obviously, it hasn't been the greatest season in the minors so far for D.L. Hall, but if you want to give him a shot, it's possible. I think they really have to make a move to replace C.N.L. Perez at some point soon. I, I, I I think it's one of these guys. I don't know if it's D.L. Hall, but it's one of them. I don't think that you can put... And sorry, I had to step out for just a moment, but um, I don't think that... The thing I don't understand about moving D.L. Hall to the bullpen is everybody's like, oh, he doesn't have enough command to be a starter. So do you really want a, a, a reliever that can't that can't throw strikes? Well, there's just been – that. that's generally what it is, though. Like, if you have a guy who has that kind of stuff, he's not going to start. So you have to find some place for him. You know what I mean? So there, there has been guys who have 
had previous success. But, but we're, we're talking about making the bullpen better. And if you have a guy who you're going to turn from a starting pitcher into a relief option because he can't throw because he it's not that he can't throw strikes it because he he struggles with his command. It doesn't make sense to me to move that arm into a into a late inning relief role or a middle relief role where you're expecting him to suddenly now he can throw strikes because he's throwing less innings. I don't I don't I don't buy that. You know I, I disagree. I I think that again. Well, he, a lot of people disagree, but I mean, there's no way to know until you do it. Right now in the minors, he's striking out 11.3 guys per nine. Uh, mm-hmm. He's walking 5.7, which is now the I think that's the third highest number of his career over all his levels. And you really can't count the. 18-year-old stint in rookie ball when he only threw five games. That was his highest. He walked eight, not, uh, well, what was it? 8.7 guys per nine, so really high number there. But Deal Hall's really not been better than you would have hoped. Um, he's been probably about what I expected so far this year, and I think that's got to, um, at some point, you've got to start looking at a move to the bullpen for Deal Hall. I just don't know if there's a other solution besides that and I don't want to get into the full-blown deal hall discussion I'm just saying as opposed to a guy like uh CNL Perez deal hall may be a better option well yeah well when you're comparing him to 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 CNL Perez yeah he's going to be the better option I think Nick Vespi can be just as good an option. I, I, I hope so. He just doesn't throw hard at all, though. I worry yeah, about the they, stuff they, at Think Vespi. Danny Cole doesn't throw that hard either. That's though. true. I mean, you know? finesse lefties are useful in a lot of cases. Um, I don't know. I mean, finesse guys are always hit or miss. I, I think you're going to get some really good outings from them, and there's somewhere if you're not putting the ball exactly where you want it to go, you're going to get hit around a lot. And that Nick Vespi's like 88, 89 with the fastball, and that that's really what concerns me with Vespi. But I'm willing to give him a shot again, yeah. especially over CNL Perez because we're, you're not getting anything yeah, out of CNL, C- Perez, CNL right now. Perez. Can throw what 97, 98 miles an hour, and he's getting sometimes ramp it up. He, yeah. And honestly, maybe the fact that he's a softer thrower kind of keeps hitters off balance. You know what I mean? Zach Granke, his. Uh, Look at what Zach Greinke can do with yeah. an 85-mile-an-hour fastball. That, that, great point, but I, I just don't think the two things are the same. They aren't. You know, they, Zach Greinke, Nick Vespi. They, they aren't. They aren't. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's comparing you know, apples to you know, worms. It's not the, it's, <laughs> it's, That's the expression. Yeah. It's, it's not. Yeah. Well, it's comparing apples to oranges. They're both right, fruit. Right, right, right. You know, so I guess, that, that, I guess that's why they make that, that, that expression. They are both fruit, but that's about the only similarities that they have. They are right. both pitchers, but that's the only similarities. Um, but anyway, this bullpen needs some help. Right. And, and honestly, I don't think Nick Vespi's not going to save this bullpen. No. I don't think Dylan Tate. Dylan Tate, you've got to prove to me. I I've never been as high on Dylan Tate as everybody else is. I, I I've seen him give up too many inherited runners, too many big home runs to think. Oh, Nick, Dylan Tate is a stalwart in in this. I mean, this. I I never would say I think he's one of the best relievers in baseball. I mean, that's not where I would ever go with it. I think and I feel the same way about Michael Givens for that matter. Oh, I I do too. I think they're just both reliable pieces who have a good amount of experience. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's that's always where I've been with and, him. And that's fair. And if you get those guys in here and they replace, you know, Perez and. Baker, not not Baker, but I mean, Baker, Baker. I think Baker's got to stay for ba- now. Baker can be really, really good, yeah. but he can also be really bad. Uh, there's, I don't know, man. It, you can't have guys like Reed Garrett, Spencer Watkins, is now your long man today. You don't want that, right? Right. You know, you, you've honestly, they. I think that they got to go out and, and um, I, I they've got to go out and find a middle reliever. And I think the point is this: if the wheels fall off for Cano. Which I, I just pointed to a few numbers. You mentioned that 1.8 whip over what is it? Last 12 appearances. Yeah. That's really concerning. It is. Like, the wheels will fall off at some point. I talked about it while you were outside, is that 
he's loading the bases sometimes, and then he'll get out of it because he'll roll a double play or he'll, he'll strike mm-hmm. two guys out in, in you know succession or whatever it is. But that's not going to last forever. Those appearances are just not sustainable for me. Yeah, and you, you go back into what he's... I'm sorry, continue. Yeah, there, w- there will be a point in time where it's not sustainable, and he will start giving up those hits, and there will start being runs scored on him. I, I guarantee it. It's going to happen. Like, as we said with uh, Aaron Hicks, the other shoe will drop for Yenner Canal. Yeah, and... If you look at what he's at what he's been doing this year over the, over those last twelve games in particular, you go back and there's three hits and um th- three hits no no runs scored two hits no runs scored right. three hits no runs two hits no runs you know uh, he's he's just tight roping through this three hits at the one, moment three hits um one run you know a hit and a walk one run yep. you're not going to be able to oh in in his last outing three hits a walk in an inning. And no runs allowed. So the ERA and the is 103. The fielding, fielding independent pitching is 193. Right. But you can't keep putting guys on base. Like you said, it's it, 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 it's not going to turn out good if right. you continue to put th- this many guys on base. And then you look at, I think, I figured it out at the beginning of the year, like where the, which each, what inning was best for each reliever. And Mike Bauman, if you go by, he's an eighth inning reliever. You know, he's he's an eighth inning reliever. Keegan Aiken's a fifth or sixth inning reliever. I would much rather see these guys have defined roles. Right. Right? So for me, it's your your seven, eight, nine inning relievers should be Danny Coulomb, Yenier Kno, right, and Felix Bautista. Right. And then Bauman is one of those guys who if Cano's pitched two days in a row, or if Bauman just mounts his up better. He's your seventh in or eighth inning guy. Yeah. You've got to have. I th- I think there's something to be said for routine and knowing what your role is. And if you're going to be able to have a guy say, you know what, I know that the eighth inning is my inning, like Cano does now. Felix Bautista knows the ninth inning is his inning. Danny Coulomb should know that the seventh inning is his. You know, uh, there are some guys who can pitch really well in every aspect. Right. Like, right. like when Michael Givens was at the peak of his career, he was able to pitch in any single inning, and it didn't matter. Right. Right? I think having – but not everybody's built that way. Yeah. A lot of guys are, are are creatures of routine. I'm a creature of routine. Sure. If I don't get up and go to the gym first thing in the morning, my entire day is off. Right? So I just think that you've got to have – Defined roles, but you do undoubtedly. But you also need you also need a ton of versatility in today's game. Yeah, you yeah. know, and, and I I think Cano is a versatile guy. I I think Mike Ballman's certainly shown to be a versatile guy. But Ballman is one of those specifically where he's just better at one role than he is the other. And, and I don't know if we've seen that necessarily with Cano yet. But you know, at, the game on Thursday is a really good example of of why that other shoe is is bound to drop for Cano. I mean, three hits in one inning, he gets through it. Mm-hmm. He rolls a double play. Jorge Mateo kind of bobbles the ball. It still ended up working out okay. But that's one situation where that was a 4-2 win. And it was only 4-2 because Austin Hayes hit an eight, you know, eighth-inning home run. This is not going to continue to happen. Mm-hmm. And like you said, they need to make sure that they find out what roles these guys can pitch in so everyone is absolutely at their best at every point because at, at, at some point, the starting pitching is not going to be good enough to win these games like it is 4-2. 
because if the bullpen is going to continue to pitch like this, they are going to be on a downward spiral very quickly. It's, it's Things will not go well if the bullpen continues like this. Maybe Dylan Tate's the guy. Maybe he's not. I, I'm, I'm leaning towards not. Something needs to change quickly. And they don't even have to wait till the trade deadline. That That's what always bothers me. People say, oh, you know, you have to wait till August 2nd or whatever it is. And I'm like, no, you can make a trade whenever. They can make a trade right now and, and acquire even like a Danny Coulom type guy where yeah. just a, a finesse guy, but he's been around for you know, 10 years or whatever it is. And he's just exceptionally good at command. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know what? We might as well, while we're doing this, I mean, we can go back and we can look at, um, we can go back and we can look at the teams that are not going to make the playoffs. They're looking pretty bad. I also went through this and it looks like there's like 25 teams yeah. that could legitimately think that they're in contention. They, right. They, because they, there's like, and one of those is not Kansas City, and Scott Barlow would seem to be a pretty good option on, on the trade market. But I think every team will be looking at Scott Barlow yeah. as one of the – and Errol Chapman, obviously, as well. Not that I think the Orioles are going to dip their feet in that market. I really don't think so. I would I would much rather see CNL Perez pitch every inning of every game than yeah. have Errol Chapman yeah. ever be a Baltimore Oriole. There's one thing I don't want on this team. It's scumbags, and he is yeah. a, a scumbag. I agree. He is a, he's an absolute scumbag. You know, So, to me – you look at you look at the standings. Kansas City, you said Scott Scott Barlow. Yeah. Um, what about the Chicago White Sox? Do they have a reliever that the Orioles could go and try and pluck from them? I haven't paid attention necessarily to their bullpen. I think their bullpen at one point it was the worst in baseball statistically. So I mean, you look at uh, Gregory Santos. Uh, he he's young though. He's twenty three years yeah, old. Yeah, I don't think they're making that. Um, Kenyon Middleton. Kenya Middleton's 29 in 25 games. He has a 193 ERA. That's pretty impressive. He's got a 30 to 8 uh, strikeout to walk ratio. He's striking out 11.6 per nine. You, got, um, you like that, yeah. That's... Yeah, and so you, you look at what he's doing. You look at his um, his contract status. He's still third-year arbitration eligible. He's a free agent after next season. That could be somebody that the Orioles could go after. That, that could be. Yeah. And you could trade them a, a prospect who... I, I don't know. I don't know what – I've seen Michael Elias make trades that just I, – I don't know how they make sense for the other team, and he somehow pulls a rabbit out of the hat. Yeah. You know what I mean? But a guy like Kenyon Middleton is a perfect example of a reliever that you could bring over here that helps your ball club immensely. Again, if he doesn't cost an arm and a leg, I think that's a move you look into. Well, yeah, I mean, he's a free agent after next year. Yeah. So he's a little bit more than – he's more than a rental, um, and he's somebody who, you know, you could probably – Trade them a prospect who maybe is your top thirty, but not in your top ten, to go get him. I don't know. I I think it's something that could be done. I think it would be something worth exploring. It it depends. The other team's got to be willing to do it too. The other but, guy I was, I was trying to think of uh, in the Nationals bullpen, I couldn't think of who it was, but Kyle Finnegan has really good stuff, and he's been I their, love he, Kyle he's Finnegan. been their closer this year. And I was just looking at the numbers; they've been okay. He's still striking out ten point one guys per nine, but his ERA is already at. 439 in 27 games. Again, he's playing on a really bad team, doesn't really have a lot of good players around him. Not that that matters as much for a pitcher, but Kyle Finnegan has really good stuff and has impressed me multiple times. Um, I don't know if the Orioles will be willing to swing a trade with the Nats, but they are quite terrible this year, so you never know. You never know. I remember watching the Orioles play the Nationals a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. and Kyle Finnegan came in to pitch, and his stuff was so it is. filthy. It's really good. It was so filthy. And I said to nobody in particular, um, man, I would love it if the Orioles – this is while the Orioles were freaking terrible. Right. And I said to somebody – I can't remember who the hell it was. 
Kyle Finnegan, man, I would love if the Orioles had a reliever like that in 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 their bullpen. And you look at what he's done over his career. Up until this year, he's been really good. He right. Third straight year with 11 sta- saves, but I think that that's going to go up. Uh, that's that's a guy. That's that's a perfect example yep. of a guy. You know, on a bad team that you could probably have for not not overly expensive. They got to go out and get a reliever. Right. I think they got to go out and get a reliever. I think they got to get one more starting pitcher. Um, although, who do you remove from your rotation? If if you think Grayson Rodriguez, uh, Cole Irvin. <laughs> well, yeah, but if you think yeah. that Grayson Rodriguez is, is going to be yeah. that guy, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean. But I think that you can get by with your rotation internally. I think you can get by with your offense internally. I don't think that you can with this bullpen. There's not there's not an internal move aside from Nick Vespi mm-hmm. that's going to make a, a and even Nick Vespi's not going to make a big impact. There's not an internal move that's going to do that for you. You got to go out and get a reliever. And the right. more we talk about, the more you look at this team, the more I think that's the most likely type of trade that the Orioles are going to make yeah. at the deadline. I don't know that they're going to go out and get a Charlie Blackman or a, or a JD Martinez. I think what they're going to do is they're going to go out and get. And again, we just talked about how there's 25 teams that realistically probably think that they have a chance over the next six weeks. Yeah, I, the, and me, a lot of them do. It's it's not just like they think they do; they yeah. really do. I mean, a, a lot of these teams are right in the thick of things, and multiple teams in the AL East, and that's just as much reason why the Orioles have to go out and really improve. I mean, you look even the White Sox at 30 and 41; they're only five and a half back. In that, in that, that division. division is horrible. That division Just, is so bad. But you have four teams that are within five and a half games. Four teams in that division that are in contention for the division. Three of those teams are that are behind the Twins are all five and a half back or less. You look at the at the the AL East, and every team is five hundred or better. But the Boston Red Sox are eight and a half games back of the Orioles yeah. for second place. You go out to the West and. You have three teams within three and a half games at the top of the division. Seattle's back to right. five hundred. They're seven and a half back. They think they're that they're contenders at least for a wild card because you look at the at the wild card, and I mean they're only four games back of the two teams in front of them for a wild card spot. Right. You know. Um. Now they're what are they? They're thirty nine to thirty four. They're they're three and a half, four and a half games back. Of, or I'm sorry, they're four games back in the wild card from the the New York Yankees. Then you go to the National League, and you have three teams above 500. The Mets aren't giving up. They've no. got the highest payroll in baseball. They're going to try and get back in this thing tooth and nail. But you have so you have four teams that think they're in contention in the yeah. in the NL East. You've got, geez, the bad division in the in the NL Central. But the Cubs are in fourth place, and they're only three games out out of right. Out of the division lead there, so there's four teams right there, and then you go to you go to the West. The San Diego, San Diego Padres are your fourth team. They're eight and a half out. They have one yeah. of the highest payrolls in baseball. They're not giving up on the season either. Right. I mean, literally, you have 12 teams out of 15 in the National League alone that think that they're in it. You have, you know, five, nine. Dude, dude you 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 legitimately have 27 teams. Also, 25 it, it, teams that think that they're in in this. It's notable that. Good business is both buying and selling. Like uh, th- that, that's what one of the gripes I've always had with the Yankees. That every year they go out and they buy, 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 and the, the Dodgers kind of do the same thing. But 
sometimes you need to sell off a veteran to get prospects. So some of these good teams may be thinking that way. Even a team like the Rangers, for example, may say, let's get a little younger next year. Let's ship off one of these guys. You know, it doesn't really hurt us that much this year if we lose one of our relievers that doesn't matter that much. Maybe a team that has depth in the minors can say, let's flip one of these veteran relievers even though we still want to compete. I think that's the, the position you really want to trade if you're both buying and selling at the deadline, which, again, I, I think it's good business. And it is very well what the Orioles could do. They could sell someone at the deadline while also buying and still keep the team you know fluent and young i i think that's or fluid i, sh- I guess i should say and young um i that's good business to me so I, I wouldn't rule out really any of these teams who are in contention as also being sellers because yeah. they, they could be um i like the mets for are, are a really good example the mets could definitely sell someone even if they don't think they're uh out of the playoff race. They could yeah. still still be a seller because they may say, let's get younger because the Mets are old across the board, really old. Yeah, and, and like you said, there's 25 teams that can make a, a, a legitimate case to, you know, we're a, a, a good week of baseball away from getting to the top of this division. But at the end of the day, of those 25 teams, you probably have a number of GMs who are realistic about where their team is. Yeah. And it's like, look, we are a good week of baseball away, but even if we make the playoffs, we're out in the first round. Let's, which I think is fair to say about the Mets with yeah. the way they've played. Yeah. I, but maybe, maybe. But if you, if you get yeah. to you, if you get to a first round playoff series, and you've got Verlander and Scherzer going, that's true. You it's know, true. You you sweep the wild card series, and then you get a few days off in between. And then you got Scherzer and Verlander again, and yeah. then you're also able to throw. I don't know. Um, what is his name? Peterson is that his name? Yeah, David yeah. David Peterson. You're able to throw David Peterson or Carrasco or. I don't know. Name this guy. Uh, <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's I mean, the best. I mean, you you look at um, we, we got to get Todd Carpovich Car- on the line. I lost track of time here. Um, but you look at the uh, you look at the Astros from 2020. They were 29 and 31, and they made it to the fi- they made it to a game away from the World Series because they had those guys that they could throw at the top of their rotation to get them there. It, it, it's you get to the to the to the playoffs and all bets are off and the Mets I think are banking on that you know let's there's got to be three wild card teams why can't we be one of them why can't we win this division that's a team that can get they have the talent to get hot I'm not I don't think they're writing themselves off there's a number of teams though that are in contention that are, that will be willing to sell here it's just a matter of if they realize it sooner rather than later so it's a the Orioles got to do something they've got to go out and get at the at the at a minimum, a legitimate bullpen arm, and I still think that they that it would behoove them to get another bat too. I don't know how realistic a starting pitcher is, especially when if they think Grayson Rodriguez can be that guy, if they think John Means can be that guy in the last month or two of the season. Uh, maybe the starting pitcher goes on the back burner for them, but they do need help in the bullpen and maybe one more bat. Because how long can you trust Ryan O'Hearn to do this? But we are going to talk with somebody right now. He is Todd Karpovich. You can find him. I don't even know which one to name for him because he is literally everywhere. Hardest working man in sports that I know. Todd, good morning. It's Paul. It's Zach. How are you today? Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing well, doing well. Thank you for taking the time to come on the show, man. It's always a pleasure to have you on here. And I got I to gotta be honest, Todd, we've had some of our listeners being like, when are you guys going to get Todd back on the show? So I'm glad you were Oh, able. really? Yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> so uh, we've had a couple of guys say, when are you guys going to get Todd back on? So I'm glad That's we were awesome. finally able to do it. Now, Todd, what wasn't awesome, Orioles got dropped by a bad Cubs team yesterday, 10-3. to Bullpen allowed seven runs in five innings. You really, realistically, 
Felix Bautista, Yenier Cano, and Danny Coulomb are the only arms that you can trust at this point, and Cano has a 1.8 whip in his last 12 outings. You know, are we wearing blinders with this bullpen, or are they in a little bit of trouble here? I, you know, I, I think, you know, he's got some flexibility there, you know, with the bullpen. Um, you know, they, I mean, uh, uh, Corbin, you know, he's got, he's, got, he's got to stay away from that changeup, man. He took three changeups, three home runs. Um, he gave him four innings. So, you know, um, he put, he's got to put pressure on the bullpen. You know, you can't have your starting pitcher on four innings. Um, so, yeah, um, you know. Um, I you know I think I think Ballman will be okay. I think Keegan Higgins is really inconsistent. Um, Garrett, another guy who gets pounded. Um, yeah, I mean the, the bullpen, you know, they're getting the, the oral stars. You know, they've done better this year going deeper in the games. But again, you know, they're putting some pressure on that bullpen. I think guys are starting to you know tire out a little bit. But yeah, it was not a good performance. But you know, it's a game. You know, you flush it and you come back today and try to get a win. You know, you can't win them all. Yeah, no, they they absolutely can't win them all. But they thought they've managed. Basically, since the beginning of the season, to win two out of every three ball games, just about, um, and it seems to be that they're they're flawed in the they're a little flawed in the rotation, they're a little flawed in the bullpen, they're a little flawed in their offensive attack. Yet they're winning two out of every three ball games. How much of that is because of Brandon Hyde and the intangibles that you just can't quantify on a stat sheet with this team? Oh, I, I just think I just think if this team. You know, I, I think Brandon Hyde's doing a great job, don't get me wrong, but I think this team is just it's finally evolving into what Mike Elias envisioned when he took the job and started to build this roster. You know, I think this, this team's starting to play to its potential. You know, I think these guys are – these guys are – these young guys are starting to learn. They're starting to play better, you know, um, and they're starting to, you know, become legitimate major league players. Look at Gunnar Anderson. You know, he had, he had a slow start, you know, to the year, you know, People talked about his average, but he was getting on base. He was earning walks. His, his own base percentage is pretty good. Now he's lighting it up. Mm-hmm. AL player of, the, player of the week, you know. So these, these guys, um, I, I give, I give uh, Elias credit for sticking with some of these young guys, not having that revolving door that they had a lot, you know, in the Buck Showalter, these guys up and down in Norfolk a lot. Um, so let these guys come up here and learn. But, no, I, I think this team, it, it, I think yeah, Brian Hart's doing a good job. I think his team is evolving into what they envisioned when they start building this roster. How much of this is on Adley Rutschman? The, the Orioles are like 30-some-odd games above 500 since he made his debut last May. And people talk about him as the best catcher in baseball. He's up there, man. He's the leading vote-getter at catcher in the American League. Is Adley Rutschman yeah. the true difference maker on this team? I think he is. I think he has a, I think he has a more dynamic personality in the clubhouse. Then when he talks to reporters, mm-hmm. you know he's pretty, he's a pretty he's a pretty dry interview. Um, you know he's very guarded what he says. Um, which I think is a, is, a, is a special way to go about you know um, you know being under the spotlight. Um, but yeah, he's he's been a difference maker. He's he's every he talked to every player in that clubhouse. And they point to Adley being the leader, being the guy. You know, being the you know after every half inning, you know he goes to the pitcher. They talk about tactics. You didn't see that previously. You know he's a guy. Um, you know he's a guy that would behoove the Orioles to try to start getting something done with him to get an extension because he could be the face of this franchise for years to come. And yeah, it's no coincidence this team's 30 games above 500 with Adley Rushman. Yeah, no, he's he's been that guy, everything you could have asked for and more, especially out of a 1-1 pick. You know, and then you look at Gunnar Henderson and you mentioned how he, you know, the on-base percentage has always been there, but now he seems to be really stroking the ball. What are you seeing from Gunnar Henderson? How much have you seen from him that looks different from, you know, 
five weeks ago to now, it, he to me, the swing looks shorter, more compact, and it looks like he's more aggressive but in, in an appropriate way at the plate, if that makes sense. I mean, it's defense. Did you see that play yesterday where he barehanded that ball? That oh, I did. Absolutely. In the first inning, absolutely, yeah. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. And he's playing more confident. And he's a guy, you know, he's a rookie. So pitchers are going to throw him strikes. You know, he's a guy you, you want to attack, a young guy in the lineup. And he's making him pay, you know. He's made all the necessary adjustments. He's played with a lot more confidence. Um, he, he's getting – he knows he's going to get pitches to hit. Because, because, you know, again, you know, he's, he's a guy who's, he's, they're, they're going to try to, they're going to try to get out because he's a younger player, doesn't have a lot of experience, but he's making them pay. So, yeah, he's made the right adjustments, played with more confidence. Um, very good pitch selection, too. He, he's, he's not a guy. He's a main, he could be a mainstay in this lineup for years to come. This is really, really good core oral young players to keep this thing training for years if, if the front office, you know, does, does it right. Let me put it that way. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you put it that way because that was going to be uh, what I was going to pivot to next. Zach and I talked all offseason about how the Orioles needed another legitimate bat for this lineup. And there's a couple of guys that, that maybe they could realistically go after, you know, maybe a Charlie Blackman who has um, even splits, uh, maybe a J.D. Martinez, both guys in the final year of the contract who are who could really make a difference in the middle of this order, especially squeeze every last bit of juice out of them on a, on a playoff run here that you can. Um, I also think that the Orioles can make – the um, offensive improvements internally simply by calling up Jordan Westberg. Now, that would um, need a corresponding 40-man yeah. move. And Colton Kalser. Yeah. How close are we to having both those guys at the big league roster? And honestly, between you and me, Todd, I think that it's imperative to get them up sooner rather than later so they can get through those growing pains so they can be the players you need them to be to help you down the stretch. Yeah, people are clamoring for Jordan Westberg. He, he's ready, you yeah. know, um, and, and Colton. That was awesome. He's another guy who's, who appears ready. I mean, Norfolk's loaded. I mean, they're eight and a half games above. They're eight and a half games in, five, uh, in the first place. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're rolling through that through that through that, through that league. Like, what are they, forty-five and twenty or something like that? It's um, something crazy. So yeah, yeah, they're, they're they're loaded with talent. And these guys, these guys are ready. And it's, it's actually, you know, it's a great problem to have. But the Orioles are stacked. You know, I mean, you got Cedric Mullins when he gets back here. You know, what do you do with him and Hicks? You know, Hicks Hicks Hicks, Hicks has been a huge addition to this lineup um you know so yeah you know i think this 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 that line's gonna be okay and i think i think they're deep enough you know the question is you know you mentioned you know going out and getting some bullpen help which was to help you know but you know i still think that certain pitches still on the table you know think of probably a guy like shane bieber or somebody like that you know or Stroman for the clubs because you know means means to have that setback you know guys ready until august and, you know, and we all expect Grayson to get back here and pitch well. But you figure um, another starting pitcher giving me more flexibility in that bullpen to bring guys, you know, if, if, if stars got going to that bullpen again. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, I think the one starting pitcher, well, I think I think lines deep. I think, um, you know, I think the legs that they have, you know, there's not a whole room for a new ring there. You know, and you got even Andy Santander is a guy. They talk about, you know, there was speculation maybe training him back in January. But he's a guy, he's, he's hitting the ball. He's a guy, pretty, pretty reliable bet. So yeah, it, it's, gonna be, it's tough. To, it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be tough to crack this lineup for a young guy because of what they have depth wise, mm-hmm. and you know, we're gonna. And I think Brian Hyde's doing a pretty good job with these guys. But yeah, this is a. I tell you, this is a deep team. So we mentioned this to to Stan regarding this team, and I think that the offensive moves that you can make here is. 
I, I'm ready to see Joey Ortiz get a shot to play every day at shortstop. Maybe you, yeah. you DFA or you trade Adam Frazier. You call up Westberg. He's your everyday second baseman. Jorge Mateo moves to a super utility role where you can play him in the infield. You can play him in the outfield. You can pinch run him. You can bring him in as a yeah. defensive replacement. You call up Kowser, which moves uh, Santander to the DH role. And when Mullins comes back, Hicks now becomes your fourth outfielder. And I think right there, that makes your team all the much more better. Todd, if I'm thinking it, and I'm Paul Valley sitting at a table in a press box studio, I have to imagine Mike Elias and Brandon Heyer are seeing the same thing. I think so. I think you're right. I think I think they like the way that should shake out. Um, I think you know, you know, Elias does a very good job being patient with these young guys. But yeah. Their time's coming. You know, their time's coming, and you know, after the after the you know the All Star break, you're going to see you know this this team you know at this point they're going to be in contention. You know, and there I don't see. You know, that's a major class. You know, they're 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 almost you know twenty games over five hundred. You know, the second best record in in I think the MLB behind, of course, the race. You know, yeah. with the team the team in front of them. Um, you know, so yeah, you know, there's going to be there's going to be some pressure. You know, for for them to you know sort of make a move here, do something big, and, and make this playoff push because you know this town this town gets electric when a major league baseball players are in town. You know what I mean? This place gets crazy. Cam Yard's one of the, Cam Yard's one of the loudest stadiums in the playoffs. I don't care what anybody says, man. That stadium is nuts. You know, back when they, um, man, when Tony Young hit that ball. I was there. Against the Tigers. The whole, the whole press box was shaking. You know, yeah. it was awesome. Um, and I think, yeah, I think there's going to be a little pressure on Elias, you know, to kind of keep this ball rolling and, and keep, and keep surging towards this postseason. But this is a team, it gets in the playoffs. They can do some damage. Yeah, I'll tell you. I was at the stadium in 2012 for the first playoff game there in 15 years. I was at the Delman double game in 2014. I've never been in the stadium, football or baseball, that's been louder than what I heard um, on those yeah. two particular evenings. Um, so basically what you're saying is call up Colton Cowser, realign the divisions, and let's go. And let's make this uh, let's, go. Yeah. Let, let's make this playoff push. Now, you did mention um, that the, maybe a Shane Bieber or Marcus Stroman. Two years ago, I was singing from the rooftops Please go sign Marcus Stroman. I think that that is a guy who is an absolutely perfect fit for this ball club based on his personality, his prowess on the mound, everything that he can do. There's going to be 20 teams looking for starting pitching. But I think that the Orioles, they have number one farm system in baseball. The Cubs aren't very good. They can get a good haul back from a team for Marcus Stroman. The Orioles, like I said, number one farm system in baseball. They have the the guys to get it done. What's it going to cost to get a guy like that to Baltimore this season? Yeah, it might, be, it might might need to part ways in Norway. But the thing is, Orioles are so deep in the farm system that they get they're blocking. They're, they got guys blocking each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's tough. It's tough to move up when a guy ahead of you is playing so well. You know. So yeah, the time has come maybe to look at you know to evaluate some some of these prospects. But I think Connor Norby could be a guy they move, or maybe a Joey Ortiz. You know, maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, it's going it's going to take that kind of guy probably to have a, a front line starting pitcher. But again. You know these teams; they covet these Oriole prospects. You know that they know the Orioles are, have number one farm system. They know they have talent there. So they, and these teams that are not going to make the playoffs this year or maybe next year, they're going to start building their rosters. And these are the guys you want. You want your you want your system to help build that foundation. So that's what Mike Elias did. Yeah, it's it's going to take a couple of top 100 prospects and then some to even get the Cubs to come to the to the negotiating table um, to do that. So, but I, but again, there's a reason you stockpile your farm system and make them the number one farm system in baseball, so you can make moves like this when you need to make them. Because, like you said, they're probably a starting pitcher away from being a legitimate. I mean, when we say legitimate contender, there's no reason to think that the Orioles with another starting pitcher and a middle reliever can't be a World Series contender as early as this season. So we'll see That's how it goes. Exactly right. 
you've got five, six weeks until they have to do something here, so we're going to see how that plays out. Todd, uh, before we let you go, we play a little game here on the batter round, and you played it with us. It's called Take to Rake. Yeah. You pick um, the one player you think is going to have the best offensive week for the Orioles uh, for the, over the next week of games till our next show. The only rule for you is you can't pick the same player twice in a row. And let, as our guest, last week our guest took Austin Hayes, so you cannot take Austin Hayes. However, Zach won take to rake last week. He took – everybody had a great week. I took uh, Adley Rutschman. Ryan Blake took Austin Hayes. Zach took Gunnar Henderson. They all hit 318 or better with a 333 or better on base percentage and a 909 or better OPS. So there's no real losers here, but the real winner was Zach taking Gunnar Henderson um, so Zach gets to pick first. Then it's going to be you, Todd. You, you just can't take Austin Hayes. And then it's going to be me okay. pulling up the rear. Go ahead, Ryan. I mean, Ryan. <laughs> well, give me Ryan. Ryan O'Hearn. You're going to take Ryan O'Hearn? Ryan O'Hearn. Okay, he's taking Ryan O'Hearn. How, how about you, Todd? I won't go to your ass, but he's ready to heat up. Your ass? All right. Yep. I'm, ta- I'm taking Gunner, baby. You're leaving Gunner out on the table for me. I'm taking Gunner Henderson, yeah. and we're going to see how it plays out. Todd, what do you got coming up, man? Oh, uh, yeah, just uh, just finish a big feature of Tyler Wells. He's been Orioles' most consistent pitcher. Gibson on the mound today, I think, gives him a good chance to win. And that's about it, man. Just, just following along and having a, enjoying my summer and enjoying these wins. All right, awesome. Real quick, before we let you go, you mentioned Tyler Wells. I meant to bring him up to you. The strikeout rate has, rate has become elite. We're talking 13, over 13 per nine at this point. Um, over over his last eight starts, I believe. He's not walking guys. He's not putting guys on base. The ERA is in the low threes. Where does Tyler Wells stack up among starting pitchers in the game right now? I think you know he, he's not at that elite level, but he's in the upper echelon of guys. He's got he's got he's got to stop giving up so many home runs. That's yeah. been the state of his existence. You know, sixteen home runs this year—that's a lot. Um, so when he's cut down that, but yeah, he's he's a guy. You know, he's a big body. He's a power pitcher. You know, he he's he's got he's pretty versatile. He pitches out of the bullpen. You know, he's learning how to you know, pitch that way. Now he's a starter. He he's he's a guy who who's definitely a player to watch the second half of the season. Yeah, he's been he's been all that and then some. Love seeing what he's doing. Todd, love talking to you on the show. Hopefully we'll get you getting on the show down the line. Uh, have a great weekend. Enjoy your summer, all right? Awesome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. See you. That was Todd Karpovich joining the show, and Todd always brings that energy, man. He's got he's just got that energy and enthusiasm for the game, and I don't know where he finds the time to to, to, to breathe. <laughs> Does like out. a million things, yeah, Todd, to even come, let alone come on our show. So busy guy, but really great to have him back on the program. Um, Want to remind you that the latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact the late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation, and you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. we got to catch our final break. When we come back in, we'll close things out with the Bet Around and final thoughts. That's next on the Bet Around. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. 
the best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season let's go o's whether your focus is luxury and comfort convenience and technologically advanced connectivity or sporty performance and aggressive styling we've got the perfect highlander for you check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new highlanders from your local toyota dealer today that first sip that first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. All right, welcome back to the Battle Round. Really great show today the this whole show was just really fun a lot of a lot of good baseball talk Todd brought an energy that I love that he brings every time we talk um and it's it's just for me it's a uh the this show is just a, a ton of fun just an no absolute doubt. ton of fun so we're looking at the bet around here and I'm putting together a parlay here and I'm gonna take hmm all right so I've got a same game parlay that I'm giving to you guys at plus 26.98 plus 26.98 so you bet ten dollars and you're gonna win two hundred and two two hundred sixty nine dollars and eighty cents is what you're gonna win it's gonna pay out a 279.80 all right I'm looking at Anthony Santander to hit a home run. I think he's due. He almost put one out a couple of times yesterday. I think he's due. I'm taking that at plus 430, combined with the over on eight runs at minus 110, combined with Austin Hayes to record a hit at minus 290, combined with Kyle Gibson's six-plus strikeouts at plus 190. That's what I'm taking. Uh, same game parlay, okay. 26, plus 2698, Anthony Santander to homer, the, uh, the over of on eight runs, Austin Hayes record a hit, and Kyle Gibson to strike out six. I like plus. the over on eight runs. I think that's very possible. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I like the Kyle Gibson six-plus number. That's That seems plausible. I can see Kyle Gibson going six in the third, giving up four runs and striking out seven. Yeah, sure. That you would know, work. I, I, I can see that happening, and I can see the, I can see the Orioles, you know— a strikeout that, an inning. I mean, that's that's perfectly plausible. Yeah, and and, and then I can see the, the Orioles going up against Steele. Like, look, they've been right in it against guys like Jacob Degrom. Yeah. They beat Dylan Cease. Uh, they tor- they torched uh, Chris Sale twice. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't. Th- this team. Every time I think, oh man, they're facing a really Mitch Keller. I knew he was going to dominate them for some reason. I knew that was going to happen, and I knew Barrios was going to dominate them the other night because he just oh, he that just, was hard just, to watch. He just always does. But the Orioles seem to find ways against really good starting pitchers for the most part this year. So I think that that's a a, a fair bet there. Um, so again, one final time, same game parlay. We've got uh, at plus twenty six ninety eight Santander to homer the over on eight runs Austin Hayes to record a hit and Kyle Gibson six plus strikeouts bet ten dollars win two hundred sixty nine dollars and eighty cents. See, I like to go for big money bets. I don't like these bets where I bet ten bucks and I win fifteen. Like that's right. Like what is that? That's just betting for the for the thrill of the win. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna bet, go hard or go home. Right now, I'm not saying go hard as in bet. Fifteen hundred dollars to win tw- two grand. You know what I mean. I know a lot of people who bet like a dollar or two on. Well, they'll be sitting in Orioles games, for example, and they'll that's bet, fun. They'll bet a dollar to win thirteen cents, and I'm like, really? <laughs> like, come on! Like, at least make a ten dollar bet or something like that. Like, right. make it worth your time. Like, you're gonna really. What are you gonna do with that thirteen cents? So, and they're like, it adds up over time, and I'm like, in like. Five years, you may have forty bucks. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. What are you doing? Forty dollars. Hey, that's yeah, like, that's taking the wife to a movie and getting I, some popcorn. I, I, I guess so. Yeah. Um, and popcorn's like forty bucks these days at movie yeah. theaters. So I, I always got to get the popcorn. I got I got to get the large because I know she's gonna want to share. I'm gonna want. You know, it's clogging your arteries, bro. Our arteries. Your arteries. Your arteries, but you know, it still tastes great. So. Oh, dude, you know what clogged my arteries last night? I was. It was a long day. I had a, a long day at work, but a successful day at work. That's good. Um, I did something to piss the wife off because that's what husbands do. Mm-hmm. And so she was mad at me. So I took Bruce on a nice long walk, vented to my dad. And then I come back. It's like 930 at night. I'm sitting there on the chair in our reading room. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, man, I am so tired and I am so hungry. So I go to Wawa. And now they're doing these loaded fries at Wawa. And oh, I get a God. large loaded fries with chicken tenders. Yeah. And I'm not eating a lot of meat these days, but I was like, screw it, I'm getting it. Chicken tenders, ranch, I added my own cheese and my own buffalo sauce when I got home. It was delicious. It was so freaking good and so freaking bad for me. I mean, I yeah. felt like I weighed 287 pounds. The thickness of your blood today, Paul. I, I, oh, man. I, man. I got I to go like... <laughs> man. Man. I got go, to go do some uh, high-intensity <laughs> interval training after that. But Well, we play golf on Monday. That'll get it, it out was, of you. It was delicious. I have no complaints whatsoever. Um, you ever had like the uh, the Cracker Barrel biscuits and gravy? That stuff is just pure the, heart attack fuel. I've been to Cracker Barrel two whole times in my oh, entire life. Oh, it's so life. good. You got to go back. It's so I, I've, good. I've been Shame, two, shameless plug for Cracker. I mean, <laughs> it's not a shameless plug because I don't work there, but pl- well, they're, free, they're, free they, plug, I guess I should yeah, say, well, for Cracker we, Barrel. We uh, can't give free plugs out, I'm to, sorry, uh, Glenn. out to people. Um, Oops. You know where you can get really good biscuits and gravy and delicious chicken? Where's that? Royal Farms. That that's Well, that's true. You, that's true. Royal Farms. I, I got my breakfast. From I love Royal, Royal Farms. Chicken. I did get my breakfast from Royal Farms today. Picked me up a nice energy drink, a Cliff Bar, yeah. and 
I saw a Butterfinger in there, and I haven't had a Butterfinger in about 19 years. So I picked it up. 19 it, years. It was. It wasn't as good as I remembered it. Wasn't as good as I remembered it. I mean, most candy isn't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't Can, know. Candy's I, I, overrated. I'm a, I'm a. I'm a. You're overrated. I'm a. a Probably. Orioles bullpen's overrated. I am a. Uh, <laughs> I bring it back to baseball. I am a sweets guy, for sure. So really great show. Had a lot of fun today. Thanks to all of our guests. Thanks, uh, Todd Karbovich and Stan the Fan Charles. Thanks to our listeners. Without you, we don't have a show. Thanks to our sponsors. Without you, we don't have. We also don't have a show. Thank you, World Farms. Um, and thanks Sorry, Glenn. Thank, <laughs> thanks to Zach for all that he does for the show. Thank you, everybody. Till next week. See you.